Jack Parsons, born Marvel Whiteside Parsons, led a double life. By day, pretty much a literal rocket scientist. By night, he was practicing the occult. His FBI file described him as potentially bisexual, which is maybe why when Jack Parsons met his protege, he very quickly took him under his wing and then took him into his home. Letters at the time show Jack was enamored with Ron, though perhaps not as much as his wife was. In a letter, Jack Parsons wrote of his protege, L. Ron Hubbard is a gentleman. He has red hair, green eyes, is honest and intelligent, and we have become great friends. He moved in with me about two months ago, and although Betty and I are still friendly, she's transferred her sexual affections to Ron. Although he has no formal training in magic, he has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. As you can see, Jack Parsons was wrong about a lot of things. L. Ron Hubbard was one of them. One would hope that by the time Jack Parsons saw his wife and his dear friend, Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, sailing away together on Jack's own ship with his money, he'd have realized he'd been a fool. A fool for believing in Hubbard, for trusting his wife, and especially for not heeding the warning of the man who had informed him of Hubbard's grift. But Jack Parsons was a follower. He needed someone to spell it out for him. And so someone did. Across the pond in England, the man fated to break Jack Parsons' naive heart left room number 13 in his home at the large Victorian retirement center known only as Netherwood, 500 feet above the coastal town of Hastings, to send a telegram. Suspect Ron playing confidence trick. Stop. Jack Parsons' weak fool. Stop. Obvious victim prowling swindlers. Stop. You paid by the letter back then, so the telegram wasn't signed, but it could have been under many names, and anyone would understand who had written it. He could have signed it, The Wickedest Man Alive, 666, or what his very own mother eventually came to call him, The Beast. But most people know this occultist, and today's corpse, as Alistair Crowley. Welcome back to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. I love this little freak. Sweaty. It's no surprise that everybody celebrated your demise. And now worms are eating your eyes. So don't you worry your rotten head as you sleep in your sodden bed. It's time to respect the I'm I'm really excited because I I believe his name came up briefly while you were doing the Elron episodes. Yes, but this exact letter. <laughs> we didn't get to like zero in on him, and I'm no, so ready all. for that. Because I've heard that there's some freaky sex shit, and I've been waiting for the freaky it's sex shit. So much freaky sex shit in like <laughs> I love it a, in like a not so fun kind of way sometimes, but like it's 
it's not that bad. I mean, sometimes it's okay. that bad. You know what? But I kind of like, like gross shit sometimes. Like, I like, I'm not averse to like, you know, blackhead popping videos. So, and and so that I feel like this will scratch. Which is very similar to sex. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like Aleister Crowley sex will scratch my pimple, my Dr. Pimple <laughs> So welcome back to Respect the Dead. I'm Kaylin Conrad, now in video. And I'm Hoots. Now in video, <laughs> coming at you in delicious 4K. <laughs> Technicolor <Hopefully>. even. <laughs> Co- yeah, if this all works st- out. <laughs> coming at you in stunning 1080p. <laughs> <laughs> Clear as glass. <laughs> so today we're covering Alistair Crowley, but if you want to suggest someone for us to cover, you can do that over on our Patreon where you get access to our suggestions cemetery, where you can submit a name as well as a key to the morgue, where we debrief after every episode in our autopsy report mini-sodes. Um, and if you're watching here on YouTube, where we now have full video for all episodes coming up, not the old ones, uh, don't forget to hit subscribe and turn on the bell so you get notified every week when there's a new episode. And if you're on a podcast app, like because you're Amish or something, just leave five stars. That's the one with like, five stars like in the sky i'm amishly driving through los angeles listening to podcasts <laughs> on spotify that's, I mean, why I'm, that's why the neck of my collar is so high you do look very like like serving like cunty amish right now yeah going to a funeral yes <laughs> possibly your own <laughs> uh so do you know anything about him other than the weird Very sex stuff? Very little other than okay. like there is like sex cult stuff and that's always like tickled my fancy. Sex cult not Yeah, but not enough. Like it's never tickled my fancy enough that I'll actually like go read a Wikipedia article. I was waiting for someone to start a podcast and talk about it. Oh my God, that's so handy. Someone should do that because <laughs> today we're talking <laughs> about Jack Parsons. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Okay, so we're not always going to do like a full deep dive on a person birth to death, um, but I am for this one because this guy was such a freak and I want it all crammed into one episode. I want people Mm. to be able to like, like just like a full meal. Like sometimes we have little snacks, but this one's like, she's a buffet. Mm, Yeah. So as a child, Edward Alexander Crowley was like, wasn't having a good time, you know? Well, his name of, is um, Edward a- Edward Alexander Crowley. Yeah, like I mean, that's... I would have bullied him too. <laughs> that is a Victorian orphan name. Yeah, that's the name you give a ghost. <laughs> like, that's the name you give a little Amish boy attending his own funeral. <laughs> oh, I'll circle back to that. Oh no! So. He's a classic nerd stereotype, bullied incessantly. Doctors said that he was so sickly he'd just die eventually. (laughs) Bullied by his own doctors. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to die, you little nerd. You're not sick or anything, but why are you so fucking skinny? (laughs) So he's getting bullied by his doctor. He has no friends. He probably ate lunch with the custodians at school. Like, this is the vibe we're getting from him. Yeah. He went to sit down with the custodians thinking he was, like, doing a nice little (gasps) thing. Like, soft, friendly music starts playing, and the custodians stand up and leave. Silently. Yeah. 
like they're like just, we know we're not having another one of these little kids the last one came mm-hmm. and like and sorted up the school or whatever kind of weapons they had in the 1800s whatever they did before before guys cannons <laughs> <laughs> rolling a cannon into school so Crowley's daddy had been a Quaker, but he converted to a Christian fundamentalist group known as the Plymouth Brethren, which I kind of like the vibe of. I like Brethren. Yeah. It sounds like they know some good rocks, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love a geologist club. Oh, yeah. His mother converted upon marriage as well, leaving Lil Crowley Jr. to listen to his father, a traveling preacher, spout off a chapter from the Bible to the family every day at breakfast, which is, like, so fucking annoying. Yeah, this is the beginning of a lot of horror horror stories. Mm-hmm. A lot of horror movies. A lot of, like... This happened to my friend Carrie. Yeah. This... Literally. A lot of highbrow <laughs> literally, literally, horror stories. Literally, my story. friend Carrie. Literally, my friend Carrie. <laughs> She's got some crazy stories from high school, I'll tell ya. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like she's exaggerating, but like nobody in the town will talk about her. So I don't know. (laughs) So they raised him a minimalist. They were like, we're not wasting money on like clothes or like food. (laughs) This Marie Kondo little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Drinks or drugs. That's all devil shit. You don't need nice clothes to go to school. Yeah. If you want to be a minimalist, fine. But like still buy your kid nice clothes. Like. They, get, yeah. they could afford it. They had a shit ton of money. His grandfather, like, owned a distillery. Like, like the whole point, like, if you're going to be a minimalist, you need to buy nice clothes, right? Because you you only have, like, three changes of outfits. So you got to make sure that every single one of yeah, those. Yeah, you need to stop going to, like, ye old Kmart and buying your child, like, yeah, a dollar. Well, I guess maybe not a dollar back then. A, like, they... I mean, they need to be silk. Pence. They need to be all three of those outfits need to be showstoppers. You know, yes. I'm going to be a showstopping minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> so granddaddy has a like super booming distillery business, which I love. Call me. Ooh, I love but, that. But preacher daddy didn't want to spend any money made from the sin of having fun and drinking and like laughing with your friends, I guess sucks i would love to be the heir to a distillery fortune that feels like i know the way for me you know of all the of all the fortunes to be an heir to like vodka fortune i know i'm so mad wealth is so wasted on the wealthy i would do so much better with it so yeah he was like i'm not taking any of this money for my like starving family i'm gonna become a preacher instead and it's like Mm -hmm. so noble of you but i'm sure you're eating (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so Crowley is preacher's daughter confirmed. I can't like go through the rest of this. Uh, mm, the rest of acknowledging. this pointing out that he's the Ethel Kane of he's, it all. Yeah, he's he's definitely got a body in his freezer. Oh, one hundred, and he munches on it. <laughs> Not munches. <laughs> Just a little gnaw. Just on a little frozen leg there's, bone. It's so frozen that there's like the the like little like tooth bites out of it. Like when you oh. take a bite out of like a soft ice cream bar. <laughs> okay, when he was super young, he wanted to be a preacher just like his daddy. So instead of like going out and playing with the kids 
the friends he didn't have. He stayed in to study the Bible instead of like roaming poppy fields or whatever kids did back then. Oh my God, no wonder he didn't have friends. I know. It's like, sorry, I can't come out today. I have to stay home and read the Bible for like of my own volition. It's like, oh yeah, cool. You do that. We're going to be out. We didn't want you to come out. Chasing dinosaurs or whatever people did in the 1800s. We're going to be out with our hoop and our stick. (laughs) That actually does sound fun. I've seen videos. A hoop and a stick? Seems like a ball. I could fuck with that. Like at least half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I was really drunk and like had like a oh, nice yeah. private backyard, like, oh, I would be sticking a hoop in 24-7. Apparently Gen C says 724. I found that out today. Oh, that's sick. 724. 724. Yeah. Seven days a week, 24 yeah. hours a day. But you go with the smallest, <laughs> the smallest unit of measurement unit for of okay. measurement. Yeah. Fuck Gen Z. Uh imagine hooping <laughs> a stick if you lived in like mm-hmm. a really hilly hometown. Like chasing that. I'd lose my hoop so often. Oh my god, I I would be so live. Like from like we would be so skinny from from hill hooping. We'd be so sinewy. Those long. I know, like a horse. Yeah, (laughs) just two beautiful horses playing hoop and stick, (laughs) galloping downhill (laughs) with lip filler and like (laughs) flat iron manes. Oh yeah, <laughs> little painted hooves. I've already got a pattern. <laughs> Jesus, I'm gonna try and find a way to animate this. Editing, Kalen, do it. I can't wait to see these horses okay. with lip filler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you just do this? Okay, I'm gonna add our actual lips. <laughs> okay, that's coming up like right now. So at eight, Crowley sent off to boarding schools because daddy's like, you know, (laughs) I love having you here. I love having you here. But I don't like love it when you're like around and you have a lot of problems. Like you're always like sitting here reading like really loudly in your head. And it's like really distracting for my work serving God. So go away. And boarding school was like. A worse time for him apparently and i believe him on this one of them was run by a sadist which like i believe women right sounds like, accurate yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like somebody that runs a christian boarding school like yeah i see i'm getting trunchbull yeah there's 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 really only one reason you you go into private education and it's it's to bully children which i think is yeah. like valid you know i i think all I think all employment is valid. All jobs are valid. All children are bullyable. Yeah. If your dream is to bully children, I think that's the most ethical way to do it. But yeah, I I also believe that he had a rough time at boarding school. And that probably wasn't his fault. Unlike not making friends, which... Which was wasn't. his fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Objectively. Mm-hmm. In March of 1887, when he was 11, his father died of like tongue cancer? Which is just like Wait, you a really silly cancer. <laughs> is that the one you get from eating too much pussy? Was his dad just like it. slaying pussy? <laughs> I am I'm really thinking no. I think it's the one you get from not eating enough pussy. It's like pussy oh, deficiency. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your tongue just like drying out because it hasn't been used. <laughs> 
be careful for that. You have to use your tongue or else you'll get yeah. tongue cancer and die. It'll, it'll atrophy. It'll, it doesn't it'll matter what kind up. of ussy, but you got to find that ussy. Yeah. It'll shrivel up like a little slug that you poured some salt on. So like, obviously daddy didn't really stand a chance because medicine back then was like, here, suck on this leech while I drain all the blood from your body and like put horse's blood back in you or whatever, right? So he died a lot and pretty quickly. And this was kind of a big deal for Crowley because he was a little daddy's boy. He was like, my father was my friend and my hero. And I'm like, mm. I don't think he would have said the same thing about you, champ, but like, that's so cute of you. But he inherited a third of the family's wealth. So like, cute. Now he has money. So that probably helped the grief a little bit. Yeah, I want other people's wealth. I'm sad about his dad dying Mm -hmm. too. Where's my cash? So living alone with his mom sucked because she was a little coconut. Mm -hmm. Overbearing, strict, very like demeaning to him. And at this point, doctor said he was so frail, he was like going to just die if somebody didn't start taking care of this kid. So his uncle took him in and brought him to live in the countryside, like what you do with like a dog who can't be around other dogs. Oh, that happened to my friend Mary from The Secret Garden. She's oh my a little God. frail uh, thing and they sent her to live in the countryside. I loved The Secret Garden so much. I always wanted to go there. Even it's though, like, so when I think about it now, I'm like, my building has a pool. <laughs> <laughs> Pools are the gardens of the 21st century. <laughs> yeah, there's my not-so-secret garden, because I don't have anything to be ashamed about, Mary. <laughs> so he's, like, living his best life. He's going mountain climbing, going on aesthetic little forest run. I guess they didn't have, like like Walkmans or whatever back then. But I imagined he was listening to like really good music in his head while he was doing it. Mm -hmm. He basically got to be like a kid for the first time, which is like. Yeah. No wonder he was sickly. He was like inside reading books. That'll that'll destroy anyone. Reading will destroy you. (laughs) Reading will ruin your life. Never do it. I I haven't. haven't. Wouldn't if I could. (laughs) So until he was like 15. He was living that, like, I have a great childhood life. Um, But then his father brought him to go get, like, shit-faced at a pub and paid for a sex worker for his nephew. Wait, not his father, though, right? His uncle. Oh, sorry. His uncle. Yes. Not his father. (laughs) I was like, his father came back. His father was like, I've been dead for four years now, son. It's time to go get your first drink and your first fuck. (laughs) And now it's time to fuck. (laughs) I always told you I'd be back for this. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want to stick around because you were such a nerd, but now that you're cool, I'm back. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I didn't really die. Obviously, tongue (laughs) cancer isn't a thing. (laughs) So his uncle was like, the doctors say you're like fucking dying, right? So like, why not have a little fun first? And then he did. And then Crowley like immediately got better. Apparently, all he needed was like a little us, a little... A little drink. Oh no. Alistair Crowley confirms blue balls are real. Yeah. Well, he's not a feminist. No, but that's okay. We don't all need to be feminists. Lana Del Rey isn't one, and look at all the things she's done for women. (laughs) Look how how good she's turned out. (laughs) Lana Del Rey isn't one, and look at her. She's famous. (laughs) So he's back living with his mom now, but now he knows what he's missing. 
he's not wanting to sit around all day and 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 read worship the lord and read the bible he wants drugs he wants sex he wants running through the forest like a gorgeous little deer so he starts acting out becomes like a little hellion at school um and his sadist headmaster punished him one too many times so Crowley's mom finally pieced him out of there which nice of her yeah that was cool of her possibly concerned that he would like maybe murder him or something um i'm loving this little rebel turn and i know i I do have to say like this is why you don't let your kid sit inside and be a little nerd and read all day because eventually he'll figure out how to have sex and then he'll start being a real freak you you really gotta like you gotta you gotta like soft launch all of his uh growing up you know yeah you can't you can't just let him do it all in one one fell swoop no you can't just like go to the woods and have your uncle pay someone to fuck you like yeah you got to discover that kind of shit on your own being a normal kid yeah it's a part of the normal kid experience to just fucking in the woods find out (laughs) to go fuck in the woods by yourself yeah well not by yourself but without (laughs) any anybody paid by any family members yeah the uncle just doesn't need to be involved at all yeah no sex should be involved no no sex should be arranged by an uncle no I, I don't know if that's like culturally insensitive to the British or whatever, but <laughs> but I'm against it. Um, if, if there's one thing, if there's one <laughs> thing that we've never had a problem with on this podcast, it's being bigoted towards the British. <laughs> and that's not going to change. It's actually the official bigotry of Respect the Dead. <laughs> This episode is actually sponsored by hating the fucking English. Did you hear that? I censored it. We're saying English. English. Hoots, you try it. English. <laughs> so he's hopping around from school to school, mostly religious ones. And he starts to fall out of love with Christianity because, like, the preacher's daughter has gone woke. He knows mm-hmm. there's drugs, there's sex, there's being in the woods. There's mountain climbing and he's like, okay, but I want all those things. And Christianity is like calling me a selfish little shit for like wanting to enjoy my life. But I like it. It's fun. Yeah. Have you considered that I want to? Like, (laughs) I understand that it's a sin, but (laughs) have you considered, and I know this sounds crazy, but have you considered, fuck off, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Who knew that committing sins was so fun? Like everyone. The devil puts like a drop of his like fun cum into everything that's evil. And that's why it's like so fun and delicious. Not the devil's cummies. Oh. You can milk him. Just saying. I 3D printed it that way. (laughs) So he would, he began questioning his teachers on the Bible when they would bring something up. And like he would be like, but wait, that's so annoying though. Imagine being that teacher. You'd be like, I know it's annoying atheist. I love it so much. In Hosea 3 19, 11, 22, it says that I can't eat shellfish. And in 
Rebecca6293. It says that I can eat it, but I have to whip my mom if I do. So, like, which one is it? It's like, yes, Allison, sit back down. <laughs> yes, sit Allison, down, sit back down. Up. We all understand the Bible doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not the first person to bring this up. We've all been on the internet. Like, <laughs> the old school internet. We've read our scrolls. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, one of these days, I need somebody to make me a graphic of like, a timeline of technology so I can like look up during episodes and be like, so 1800s. Okay. So they did have windows <laughs> by this point. No. And books. <laughs> I love, I love this. I love this for you. I love that you're like medicine back then was just someone hit you over the head with a club and it's like <laughs> 1945. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the 1800s still. So like late 1800s, but still. Okay. They definitely were still using leeches at some point around there in that century is, I think, a word. So he keeps getting in trouble in school and he's like, OK, you know what? If I'm like going to be labeled a bad boy, I'm going to be a bad boy. He's entering his Lana Del Rey era. Ooh, I love that. Is he going to get he's a like, tattoo? I'm going to be a bad motherfucker. No, they is he going to smoke cigarettes? Then, <laughs> Cigarettes, definitely. Smoking, smoking any drugs he can find. Ooh. Jerking, getting gonorrhea from sex workers, living oh the dream. God. Full gay icon shit. Um, Old timey gonorrhea was so bad too because you couldn't just go get a, you know, you can get like a, what is it? They give you antibiotics for it nowadays? Yeah, like. This is what I'm saying. Doctors back then, not super useful. <laughs> you just had to rub a bunch of yogurt on your dick and hope it went away. Mm. I'm like, those are two of my favorite things. <laughs> yogurt and dick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> a nice peach yog, like a peach mm. vanilla Greek yog. Like, hmm, little... Maybe, maybe not on a dick, but like separately at different times. Um, like one to wash so down the other. I don't like that terminology. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of washing something down with thick yogurt. <laughs> Just a big glass about, of yogurt. What about washing down some it? yogurt with a thick dick? <laughs> Sick. So Crowley hates everything his parents stand for. We know this. Um, and he's embodying everything his parents hate. Well, his mother hates and his father did hate because he's super dead from his tongue. Um, and his mother was like, you're disgusting. I hate who you are. And you've turned into the beast from the book of Revelation. I mean, I bet when you're a teenager, that is so dope to hear. You're like, your parent right? being like, you've turned into Satan. Thank you for giving me the fucking attention I order. <laughs> oh my God. So much validation. <laughs> so he decides that if that's what it cost him to live his own life, then fine. He'd be the beast. And in retaliation for her accusation, he had sex with the maid on his mom's bed just to spite her. Ew. After being fired, 
the maid apparently was forced to become a sex worker because nobody else would hire her. Oh, no. And Crowley claims uh, she was killed, but Crowley claims that she was the first victim of Jack the Ripper, um, whom he claimed he knew personally and was like, he's an occultist. He's just a... He's just a weird guy that I know. And I I totally believe him. I think he's um, a reliable source. Mr. Crowley. I mean, Jack's not here to say anything else. So, like, I have no choice but to believe it. (laughs) Who's to say? Me, I guess. This is my (laughs) fucking podcast. (laughs) I aim for like a 95% accuracy. Imagine having sex on your mom's bed though. Yeah. That's nasty. Like Yeah, that's that's nasty for you. I know he did it out of spite, but that's fucking weird. Yeah, that's nasty for you. Your mom had sex with your dad in that bed. Yeah. Your mom had sex with your dead dad in that bed. <laughs> your mom probably gave birth to you in that bed. Gross. Yeah. All over it. Oh. So in 1895, Crowley goes off to Trinity College in Cambridge and changes his name to Alistair. You know, like very relatable experience. Everyone will understand this. You know, when you go to a new school and you're like, my name's Kay now, not Kaylin. Like, yeah, that's that's the vibe. It's like, oh, this summer I changed a lot. Actually, you wouldn't understand. Yeah. Actually, my friends at my old school used to call me Shark. That's insane. You should like call for me a shark. reason. I'm I'm a predator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well now that I understand it, I can tell that it's cute. <laughs> That's it's 2023. Women can be predators too. <laughs> I'm a motherfucking feminist. <laughs> Feminism. Actually, my old school, they called me Big Daddy. (laughs) Because my big dad died. (laughs) (laughs) So him being a huge nerd with terminal nerd syndrome joined the chess club. Is he still doing his nerd shit? I thought he got over that. God, He's doing both. Okay, there's a little bit of a mix here. He joins the chess club, begins a love affair with like literature and poetry. So I think he's now that he's like a older teen, he's going more like. This is unbearable. He's going the same route of like Oscar Wilde. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a like a I'm a fancy country boy who like smokes and has sex because I'm like. I'm cultured, not because I'm like a rebel kind of thing. He's doing worse. He's doing a fucking Lord Byron. Yeah. It's um mm. it's unbearable. I'm sure he was like impossible to be around. Oh, absolutely. He wrote for like one of the student publications, but was also doing like mountain climbing and like fucking all the time. So I'm like, that's more base than a lot of people. Yeah. Like at least he was going outside now. He was touching grass. So he was mountain climbing, one of his faves. Also, one of his faves, fucking. Mm -hmm. um, Loved the stuff. Couldn't get enough of that juicy ussy. Mm -hmm. Um, And now he's, like, super healthy because he's, like. Because that's really good for you. Both of those things are good for you. His tongue health is, like, 
through the roof. He's he's getting all those tongue antioxidants from the SE juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's getting his cardio in with all the climbing and with fucking. Yeah. Um, he did get just like a like a little of syphilis, just a little little pinch. Did his nose fall off or is he okay? No. Later a little, um, but just like the insides. Okay. <laughs> I had that happen to me. It's called a septoplasty. <laughs> but whom's among us, right? <laughs> and I paid like 10 grand for it. Okay. See? He's mm. saving money. He's a fucking genius. Apparently all I needed to do was raw dog and then I could have breathed out of my nose better. Yeah. Save some bucks. And I mean, like, I don't blame him for getting syphilis. It was like, what, 1895? You know how it is. You take a horse down to like the local tavern and you meet like an orc or whatever, whatever is going on in 1895. And that's where um, you get the syphilis. Uh, yeah. From New York. That's where it actually came from. It was cross species like COVID. Mm. Um, yeah, he got some itchy bits, but then I think he was fine. Uh, a year later, he has his first paranormal experience. While he was on vacation in Stockholm. And it was both his magical and his bi-awakening. Scared unstraight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scared unstraight. <laughs> um, so like his sexuality was part of his motivation to reject his upbringing in Christianity. Sketchy track record on gay people <laughs> and bisexuals. So he's like, you know what? He's a bisexual atheist nerd. <sighs> He's having his like edgy vampire phase. I know. And he would be it's fucking unbearable. And so embarrassing. I, and I would have. I know you would have. You would As have. A... <laughs> and we would have been talking shit about him the moment he left the room while you yeah. were doing it. Like yeah. you would have sex with him and we'd talk about how much we can't stand him. And then the next day you'd be like, oh, I'm going to be a little bit late to drinks tonight because I'm just meeting up with Alistair. <laughs> I'm just meeting up with Edward. He lets me call him that. It's his ghost name. Shortly after that, about a year, Alistair meets Herbert Charles Pullet. Herbert. AKA, AKA Jerome Pullet. AKA Diane DeRugy, a scarf dancing drag queen who stole his twisted little heart. He falls oh, in love that's iconic. with an 1800s drag queen. That is iconic. So like <laughs> obsessed. And also like Diane DeRugy. I'm like, yeah, I'm Madame La Maroon. <laughs> like, sorry, Maroonie. <laughs> Maroonie. <laughs> that is iconic. And my one of my eighth grade science teachers i can't remember her name now because my memory has holes in it a couple of the like cool dumb girls in the class kept asking her what the name of the moon is and she kept telling them like with a straight face for the whole year that our moon was named herbert (laughs) i love her (laughs) i know i wish i could remember her name but i can't so i want to fall in love with the drag queen too I know, that sounds so iconic. Like, what an adventurous little life. (laughs) (laughs) Way more exciting than climbing mountains. I know. Well, we'll see. Um, But also, 
I love hearing people's drag names. I I think most people, prob- most queer people have thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least most like allies who go a little too far have thought about it. So like maybe you. But if you have thought <laughs> about yours, you. leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube or on Spotify. Mm-hmm. We'll have a question up asking you what your drag name would be. So if you listen on Spotify just as a podcast, you can go in and respond to that. Because I'm like, I love reading them. Because some people's are like really like classic puns. Mm-hmm. And some of them are like just sicko shit. <laughs> um, some of them are like hypersexual. And some of them are just like Amanda hug and kiss or something. Yeah. And it's like, I love, I love the variation. I there. love them all. So this is what Crowley said a pullet. He who seduced me first, I could not forget. I hardly loved him, but desired to taste a strong new sin. So like when he first met him, he started writing poetry about him. And this would be a thing throughout his life. Like he would fall in love with someone. He would get super into it. And then he'd write poetry about them. And like other things about them. Like he'd be like, I wrote this parody for you. <laughs> Which like, we'll That's get to cool. that. But I would... I would die. I would simply die. Hilarious. Like in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. Way cooler than poetry. Men, write parodies for your partners. Yeah. Write something that you think I would think is funny. So they saw each other daily and the two fell in love quickly, deeply. It like became like an instant thing. Crowley described their relationship as that ideal intimacy, which the Greeks considered the greatest glory of manhood. And later wrote that I lived with Paulette as his wife for some six months and he made a poet out of me. <laughs> He's a Aww. wife guy. He literal wife guy, as in a guy who's a wife. <laughs> he is a wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's legitimately cute. Mm-hmm. I love it whenever I love it whenever guys like evoke Greek classical imagery too, because they're like, look, I'm I'm having gay sex in a classical way. It actually makes yeah. me an artist. I'm very traditional, you could say. Yeah. I'm a trad wife. <laughs> <laughs> AKA. Trad I'm wife like... Alistair Crowley. <laughs> trad wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking iconic. I need to, we need art of him like with like Baking a bread a pie. with his flowers. Like, <laughs> yeah. But problem Pullet didn't share Crowley's fondness for creepy magic. And Crowley, though madly in love, ended the relationship, something he would regret to his dying day. Another relationship to end over religious differences. Yeah. In Richard Kaczynski's Perturabo, The Life of Aleister Crowley, he says, quote, Crowley saw a rift open between Pollitt and himself like that in the devil's chimney. Not only did they seem to share little in common, but Pollitt proved an impediment to his spiritual quest. Thus, when Crowley began composing Jezebel during the vacation, he snuck off to Maidenhead to be alone to write. When Pollitt finally tracked him down, the poet at work was angry and resentful. I have given my life to religion, Crowley told him, and you don't fit into the scheme. Regret sank in soon afterward. Crowley realized his error and weakness and drafted a letter of apology that he couldn't bring himself to send. Thus, they parted on those terms, speaking only occasionally thereafter until one day they passed each other on Bond Street. Crowley didn't notice, while Pullet took it as a personal slight and never spoke to him again. Which, like, would fucking kill me. If I saw that in a movie, I would be like, run back! 
Oh my god. I, I can't know. remember I can't remember what it was. There was somebody that we co- covered on the podcast before who said that she saw her former lover and he didn't recognize her. I can't remember who it was. But same I thing. It, like the idea of like seeing somebody that you loved yeah. a long time ago when you're older and they don't recognize you would like make yeah. me No, it's heartbreaking. Like oh. <laughs> oh. oh my god, you're giving Dark Willow. Oh. Because of the the little black blouse. I've played her before. I know I watched that. That's sick. Um I know. I was so high. <laughs> <laughs> the songs fucking slapped though didn't they no i know right <laughs> i have two more quotes from this book because this one was really good mm. i was super into the gay sh- the gay shit of his life all the biographies really like kind of blow past it and i'm like no yeah. this is the juicy no. part give me his sad little bisexual life i want to hear about this Make me feel for him before he betrays yeah. me. Like I love, like yeah. a speaking of the Greeks, I love like a a great from like Grecian tragedy. Like I like to see a fall from grace. <laughs> speaking of the Greeks, I love like a great salad. <laughs> <laughs> I love speaking of the Greeks. <laughs> I love a great beach v- vacation. <laughs> I love a good column. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and you love a yogurt i do oh my god okay we're we're kind of greeking out greeking out (laughs) i'm a total greek for yogurt (laughs) i'm a i'm a fucking greek for columns things that we greek out over columns thick yogurt getting fucked in the ass yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Beach vacations. Absolutely. All of those things that this, maybe not yogurt. I don't, I'm not sort of a like bring yogurt to the beach kind of girl, but here's another quote from the same book. Crowley carried bittersweet memories of Pullet for many years, leaving scattered literary remnants as a testimony to their friendship. The dedication of Crowley's first book, which was impressed about this time, refers to Pullet as his lover and lord. Over a decade later, he published The Scented Garden of Abdullah, the Satirist of Shiraz, a parody of Sir Richard Burton's essays on Middle Eastern sexuality. References to homosexuality occur throughout, while chapter XLI in Roman numerals, the oh no, riddle. What is, is L100? I have no fucking clue. Me neither. <laughs> I'm not looking it up. This podcast. I'll put it on screen. Two dumb bitches. <laughs> It'll flash on the screen right now. I said I like Greek things, not Roman things. The Romans <laughs> die. They're not the same. Those sick Romans. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter Xli, the riddle, teases the reader. Not Xli. <laughs> Habib hath heard, let all I ran who spell aright from A to Z exalt thy fame and understand with whom I made a marriage bed. The solution to the riddle is easy enough. The first letter of each line spells out the name of Herbert Charles Jerome Pullet. Lest oh. there be any uncertainty, the next poem, chapter Xli II's Bagamachoir, contains an acrostic spelling Aleister Crowley in reverse. The tender feeling survived four years later when, arriving in America in 1914, he wished in his diary for a companion like Pullet again, end quote. Oh. 
In his autobiography, The Confessions of Aleister Crowley, he recalled the end of the relationship as his lifelong regret. To not only dedicate anything to a former lover, but specifically like a bunch of satirical essays and poems to like your drag queen former lover. I know. Is that's that is meaningful cuz like drag queens love satire. They do. They are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they do and they are. <laughs> I'm going to read you just a couple lines cuz like I find him really annoying. Ye cypress-breasted boys of birth, attend the coming of the gloom. Expose your breasts of jasmine, show your lily buttocks all abloom. Let love awake and blush as love comes glimmering from the starry womb, with standing member all aglow, purpled with cloth from rapture's loom. O tulip cheeks, O lips of rose, the joy of all ye assume, rejoicing in the luscious play, the slippery splendor of the spoom. (laughs) What the fuck is a spoom? Spume? Maybe it's spume. But if it is spume, keep it out of your love poems spume. to me. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> my darling How spume. dare you discuss my spume? <laughs> you don't talk about a drag queen spume in public. No wonder he divorced you. Uh, yeah, he's a little freak. So in 1897, Crowley's in Russia when he had a brief sick spell and thus had him questioning his future, mortality, and the futility of all human endeavor. Post-relationship, he's blackpilled. But, I mean, that happens to the best of us. Yeah, I know. He's like, he's not special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got out of that. <laughs> You're not fucking special. I'm a piece of shit, too. Yeah, everyone goes through that. <laughs> <laughs> and this had him renew his dedication to the occult and magic. And not long after that, he got a copy of A.E. Waits' The Book of Black Magic and of Pax. Which honestly sounds based day off. And if I can order that on Amazon, I will. I'm going to bleep out the name of that company. Uh, I said my <laughs> local bookstore. <laughs> At the time, he was writing sexy, smutty poems, hiring sex workers, and gathering occult books. Which, like, is like a kind of based life. Yeah. Like, living off his inheritance. Like, yeah, when, you, when you're rich and you've been broken yeah. up with, like... Yeah, you buy weird esoteric occult books and you have sex with people you pay because everyone you know you pay. (laughs) Yeah. Crowley left Cambridge without any degrees despite being a high-performing student. He was just like simply too magic-pilled to be a normie at school, you know? Mm, Yeah, which means he took like a couple of courses in every like degree like syllabus but never completed one. Yeah. Uh, he inherited the Crowley family fortune entirely now and could finally like live his life like bourgeois maxing. Ugh, I wish that were me. I know. <sighs> Please subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> At patreon.com slash respect the dead. I want to inherit the respect the dead family fortune. <laughs> we're digging up so many graves and we never rob them. So like How? we need your help or we're going to have to start. <laughs> Like, we're going to have to start taking bones. Is that what you want? Do you want me to snap off your grandma's finger and sell it on the black market? Our grave robbing arc would be so funny. Oh, my God. I know. Just standing in the middle of a graveyard with our lip gloss. (laughs) Oh, my God. We would look so cute in court as, like, we listen to them play the episodes of us, like, talking about this as we sit there laughing. (laughs) I feel like... Hold on, yeah. 
Oh my god, I love how much fun I get to have with it now that it's video. I'm like, that's something I will 100% spend like 10 minutes doing just for the fuck of it. The visuals. In August 1898, in his early 20s, he meets Julian Baker, a chemist in Zermatt, Switzerland. I don't know where either of those places are. Nor do I care. <laughs> Nobody tell me. I, I hate spoilers. <laughs> they were both obsessed with alchemy. And once they were back in London, he introduced Crowley to George Cecil Jones, Baker's brother-in-law. George was a fellow member of the occult society known as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Popular members, Bram Stoker, W.B. Yeats. The Golden Dawn, Yeats? Yeats? I think it's Yeats. Well, he's dead anyway, so <laughs> sorry. Sorry, bestie. The B is for bestie. The Golden Dawn was a group of, like, wannabe wizards. Like, they were just, like, all old people, like, old-ass people <laughs> who were standing nerds. around being like, we do spells. <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, claimed they had translated ancient Egyptian texts, old grimoires filled with incantations and ancient spells, and they were, like, super into Kabbalah. <laughs> Oh my god, imagine being in your 40s and you're going through that phase where you're like 11 and printing pages off of like Wikipedia <laughs> GeoCities websites. Like, <laughs> that's so embarrassing. They were like summoning angels, casting spells, but mostly I think there was fucking. Mm. They were like, I'm going to get my black cat to talk and I'm going to name him Salem. And I'm going to name him Salem. And also like, does anyone think that our magic would be stronger if, like, the guys fucked each other, too? <laughs> like, I heard Crazy from a spirit <laughs> that the strongest magic comes from when you put your big, throbbing, veiny penis into my tight, tight pink hole. Did anybody else hear that? <laughs> so they're summoning angels, casting spells, the huge, a regular mm. twos. Um, oh, speaking of conjuring nasty little demons from the depth, maybe we should have like a ad break in here. So like, Ooh, sorry about that, everyone. Speaking of conjuring things, let's conjure some ads. And we're back from maybe an ad. Three months later, an initiation brought Crowley in, positioned in the outer order of the Golden Dawn. So there's like an inner circle and like an outer circle of losers. And he's in the outer loser circle. Mm. So during the initiation ceremony, he adopts the name Freighter Perdurabo. I'm probably saying that wrong. Freighter? Like the thing that you like send ship things on? No, like Fratter, like fraternity. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's like, probably Fratter. Mater, Pater, Fratter Perdurabo. Yeah. Okay. Which he translated to brother I shall endure to the end. So it's not like right Latin, I don't think. I think he was just like. <laughs> The way you would look up two words in Latin and put them together and be like, there it is. Right. Google Translate. Yeah. In context, they do not mean that. The old JK Rowling method. Yes. So Crowley didn't join them, though, as Alistair Crowley. He joined them as Count Vladimir Svarov, a Russian diplomat okay. who loved fake mustaches and wearing them all the time. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Sounds kind of hot. He puts on a fake mustache, shows up with a really terrible fake Russian accent, and and I'm like, tries, who's he? 
<laughs> little 19th century hoots is standing in the corner like, who's that strange gentleman who just walked into the room? <laughs> He's so exotic. <laughs> With his real He looks real like a podcaster. <laughs> I love your fake mustache. It looks really real. <laughs> it's giving a series of unfortunate events. Like it's giving Count Olaf showing up with a fake disguise how to be like i don't know what russians sound like but like lots of v's probably uh these are his reasons for the disguise according to him i had resolved to perform the operation of the sacred magic of abra and ellen the mange in that book the aspirant is warned that his family will oppose his actions and seek to interfere the assumption of this name was one of my many precautions against any such nonsense i just come back from russia where I'd been to learn the language for the diplomatic service, and I thought it would be fun to observe the reactions of Londoners to a foreign nobleman. It was. They knew, like, the whole time. No one was convinced of his costume. But were they like, this is fun, let's play along? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they did not call him out right away. <laughs> They're um, like, no, 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 no. But Shh, when... let, let, him, let him carry on for a few moments. Yeah, he has money. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> This is funny. This is good. <laughs> he thinks he's tricking us. <laughs> like when when a child is hiding during hide and go seek and you can like see they're like when they just like cover their own face. Where could she be? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Hoots? And like feet are sticking out from underneath the curtain and you hear like giggling. <laughs> so with his money. Crowley purchases a bougie apartment um, under the name Count Vladimir Zvarev. The group rules stipulated that no one could charge another to impart magic knowledge, but he managed to persuade one of the group to teach him the higher levels of magical knowledge in exchange for free rent. So he had like a live-in personal magic tutor named Alan Bennett, who taught him about how to use drugs to reach new magical heights <laughs> and how to perform ceremonial magic, which they did together. Okay, being a drug dealer that is like your your whole like shtick is like being like I'm a drug dealer, but I like I'm a magic drug dealer is like <laughs> I do love that's that. That's cute. I like I like having a gimmick. Also, I love that yeah. like oh God, it's good branding. Up until so recently, you could just like rent apartments under a fake name that's amazing i wish we could still do stuff like that we've lost so many free returns yeah return this is what they took from canada us. is basically a fascist state yeah i had to give id when i got this apartment i think and i'm not even allowed to install a hot tub in the studio where are my rights as a renter yeah we're basically living in a dictocracy yeah this is what America has become. Mm -hmm. And by America, I mean Upper America, Canada. So Alistair just drops in his books at one point that he like walked in on Alan one time in his bedroom and he was just like sitting there levitating, which like, love this for him. Mm -hmm. Sounds like maybe that wasn't what happened. It sounds, sounds like fake. maybe levitating was like code word, like mm -hmm. for maybe he should have put a sock on the door or something. Oh my gosh. So gonna steal that. <sighs> yeah. Don't come in, I'm levitating. <laughs> <laughs> Light as a feather and stiff, stiff as, as a board. BRB, <laughs> I'm texting my boyfriend right now. <laughs> Baby, you want to float tonight? <laughs> I feel like that's, what is that? 
It? I almost called him Honeywell. <laughs> that sounds right. Honeywell. Yeah. <laughs> like, Honeywise? Pennywise. Pennywise's <laughs> Pennywise sweet gay cousin, Honeywell. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't want to like, eat anybody. Kick stuff out of the sewers if you throw stuff yeah. in. Ew! He actually finds stuff that you want. <laughs> Ew, get away, you nasty child. <laughs> like... Like, hey, keep your <laughs> shit out of here, you piece of shit. <laughs> you nasty little freak. <laughs> Get that boat out of my house. <laughs> Honeywell. Oh, I'm fucking on. <laughs> so these two girlies, they live together practicing magic uh, until Alan moved to South Asia to study Buddhism, which, like, <sighs> these men do because they have money and they're okay, white fine. and they like to, like, culture culture tourism but being roommates and practicing magic that's like basically what we do except we don't live in the same country and instead of magic magic. instead of magic we practice a podcast yeah i mean it's just like that movie practicing magic (laughs) (laughs) yes midnight tequilas (laughs) midnight tequilas they have a podcast and they kill an abusive (laughs) ex-boyfriend all things we've done Whomst among us. Yeah, everybody remembers Earl. Girl things. <laughs> so Crowley's obviously like super serious about learning magic and he excels at <laughs> it. Such a silly thing to be super He's serious like... about. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is silly. <laughs> this is all very serious stuff. <laughs> and he I love the idea that he excelled at it. It's like <laughs> at what? in the results. Like doing what? Or just like in remembering stuff he read because i feel like it's number two the latter even so the order wants its members to like before they get into the inner circle they want you to have like done some of the base work like meditation practicing like mindfulness yoga like they want you to like they don't want people who are just like let me and i want to fuck a succubus yeah but like I know I'm, like, not part of the inner circle yet, but when I get to the inner circle, do you think maybe we should, like, curse people? Do you think maybe we should, like, do harm? Should we use our magic to do bad things? Yeah, like, bad sex stuff to each other. (laughs) They're like, are you high right now? And he's like, I'm not 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 high high right now. But anyways, circling back to the really weird sex stuff that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> I bet it I bet that weird sex stuff is really weird when you want to do bad magic. I bet it's really <laughs> sick. <laughs> but he's power hungry, obviously. They recognize that. And he would just like walk around being like, when I get it, I'm going to summon ancient demons and gods and then I'm going to fuck them. I'm so high right now. They're all like, that's so embarrassing. So you're a bit of a problem. Yeah. (laughs) They were all rolling their eyes at him. Yeah. His whole life. Mm -hmm. His whole life. He's been cringe. (laughs) Aleister Crowley, king of cringe. It's like that one kid at drama school who's like, I really want to EGOT before I turn 25. And it's like, honey, you were going to be in a regional production of Merrily We Roll Along. And you're playing the role along. <laughs> you're so playing like... the role. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be Hawaiian or Sesame? <laughs> So the rest of the order are like kind of spooked out by him. They're like, this guy's a freak. And many of them are like stoic upper class folks who found his shit to be like a little bit radical, if not like legitimately terrifying. Like they're 
he's clearly into like black magic um and they believed in magic right so like so I the consequences laugh. of letting him in no well i think it's great that's what this is for <laughs> um but like to them it was like scary. the idea of letting someone in who intended to like summon demons to earth was like um absolutely the so. fuck not though yeah yeah like not in our order of the golden dawn so they refused to let him rise in the ranks which is why in 1899 at 24 he was like okay well like I'm going to get other hobbies then because this relationship isn't fulfilling me. And he became obsessed with Scottish culture. I love that. Shortbread bagpipes. <laughs> men who don't wear underwear. Oh my God. I'm so Scottish for men who don't wear underwear. <laughs> me too. And he purchases a mansion, Bolskine House or Bolskine House on Loch Ness. I wish I had the kind of money where I could be like, I'm really going through a little Scottish phase. I think I'm going to buy a mansion. <laughs> on Loch Ness. <laughs> like <laughs> on a famous lake like a with lo- a monster. On, well, like, if you are the like the black magic guy, you do have to buy your mansion on a yeah. lake with a monster. Some people say he summoned the Loch Ness monster. That's so silly. <laughs> None of this is silly. This is serious. Summoned, this is serious magic. He summoned like he summoned a monster that's like so scared of people that it only ever lets itself be seen in the form of like a little smudge on a photograph. <laughs> like the little the the I almost <laughs> cowardly little bitch of a monster. <laughs> This little fucking That's your demon. That's your fucking demon. (laughs) We could put iron boots and march down to the bottom of the lake and punch it right into its stupid (laughs) coward face. I'm gonna tie a Halloween mask to a cement block and just drop it in the water. (laughs) Scare the piss out of that monster. And then sell it. Like it's e-girl bathwater. Oh my god, the lock piss monster. Oh, oh my god, we totally could sell I'm down at lock piss. We could sell we could sell lock nest piss. Just get some water yeah. from the lock. Well, if he's in there, he's pissing in there. Yeah. It's homeopathic. It's homeopathic lock nest piss. It will it will cure your your tongue cancer. Yeah. Well, like cures like. So like it'll cure your piss disease, your piss cancer. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Are you suffering from piss cancer? So he bought this mansion basically because he wanted to perform a six-month-long spell called the Abramelin Ceremony. And he began to call himself the Lard of Bolskine and began wearing traditional Highland dress in and out of Scotland. So he would just, like, show up, like... (laughs) I bet they loved his cultural appropriation. Yeah, just squeaking (laughs) with bagpipes as he walked around, like... Like clown shoes, but like, <laughs> like just like the bagpipe inflating and deflating every time he walks, <laughs> like someone dying with a harmonica in their mouth, like like death rattle. Well, there he began performing the ritual. The goal is to invoke the magician's holy guardian angel, and to do so, the magician performing it must also evoke the dozen kings and dukes of hell, including Lucifer, Satan, Leviathan, and Belial, and bind them to himself, gaining control of them. 
I didn't know Leviathan was a demon. I thought it was just a whale. Just a big girl. Just a big fish. <laughs> he obviously never completed the ritual because he didn't control Lucifer, as we know mm-hmm. from history. I would have read about it um, if he had. Yeah. I'm sure I would have heard about it. In my Bible. He wasn't so far gone that even though he kept performing a ritual and nothing happened, he wasn't like, well, I must be doing it wrong. He was like, this ritual sucks. Like, this isn't working. I'm over it. Like, <laughs> he was not like, well, because like, there's a lot of people that practice like mysticism. And whenever it doesn't work, there's always an excuse. Right. Like, it, there's. And it's never, oh, I did it wrong. Yeah. It's, it, or like, sometimes it's like, um, like, I didn't believe hard enough or like. Right. Like the circumstances around it weren't correct or like God helps those who like help themselves. So I need to like take a couple more steps forward on my healing journey before like my prayers are answered or whatever. Like I love God sitting up in heaven like this bitch hasn't done enough self-care. I'm not responding to her calls. I'm not stepping in again. Stop calling him back, bitch. (laughs) Like, at some point, you need to take care of yourself instead of calling your fucking daddy over everything. (laughs) Like, people are dying, Kimberly. So he was trying to summon, like, angels, demons. Didn't see them. The spell was like, you will see them. Like, they will appear to you. And he was like, well, not working then. All I saw was a stupid little monster in the lake. (laughs) Okay, Smudge being the name of the Loch Ness Monster is, like, legitimately adorable. Yeah, so cute. (laughs) I need like we need shirts of like a blurry little smudge of the Loch Ness. Oh, like coming out of a pocket. Yeah. (laughs) So cute. So people were like, but you started the ritual and you didn't finish it. So now all of those demons are running amok on Earth, Um, which led Jimmy Page, the lead guitarist of Led Zeppelin, (laughs) to later purchase the mansion. Uh, oh, I thought you were the joking. Was indeed haunted by Crowley's demons. No, he was like, "Fuck yeah!" That's <laughs> that's embarrassing, but also something I would do. Like, oh, one hundred percent. Anytime my mom, anytime my mom and I hear about a like a haunted mansion, we're like, I kind of want it. Yeah, like, is it? <laughs> that's cute. Affordable? But can I buy it? Yeah. So he continues to write, but most of his poems flop. And he narrows his focus to the occult again, rising in the ranks of the Golden Dawn, preparing to finally enter the Inner Second Order. So they hated him for being an annoying, pretentious queer with a fake mustache and a fake Russian accent. They hated him for the truth, just like Jesus. (laughs) They hated him for the truth that he didn't tell. (laughs) And he was known to pick fights with people like W.B. Yeats. Like they would just be like walking down the hall and you'd be like, well, what if Yeats was really fucking annoying? He sounds annoying. Who goes by W.E.B.? I mean, <laughs> just W.B. Oh, W.B. Like, like Warner the war- Brothers? Uh, of, the, uh, of the Warners, yeah. <laughs> Warner Brothers Yeats. Of the Brothers Warner. <laughs> and I like, obviously, once he felt safe with them, he was like, <laughs> I have something you're going to probably find a little shocking. The Loch Ness Monster? Oh, <laughs> no! He's still her like... name's her name is Smudge, <laughs> and I love her. Oh, oh I made God. her out of magic. Oh, imagine the Loch Ness monster was like three inches tall, just a little tiny girl. Like, I made her out of magic, just and W smudge. Beats is like, <laughs> oh, no wonder he's picking fights with Yeats. 
<laughs> Yates, you bastard! You killed Smudgy! You smudged my smudge! <laughs> my smudge! I can't believe he was wearing the mustache all that time. Why didn't he just grow one? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. He was gay. Well, he was bi. He was a queer icon. <laughs> It's just like me coming up with like a ridiculous fake name when I do undercover work. He's like, okay, but it's not funny if I'm not wearing a ridiculous fake mustache. I want to see if anybody will mention it. Like, <laughs> hello, I'm Count Marinara. So he's like, I trust you enough now to show you the real me. And they're like, well, we don't trust you now. See how that works? You're like, I trust you enough to tell you I've been lying. And now that we know that you've been lying. Or like now that it's out that you were lying and you've admitted it, like you've given us a reason not to trust that you. We don't trust yeah. you. <laughs> like, you see, see how this isn't actually about you, and this is about like a group of people that all need to feel comfortable. You're not actually the main character in this story. Uh, no, was, I don't. But so yeah, they're like, so you're a liar, and also we heard you were like doing acid and like trying to fuck God. So like. So we don't think isn't you're that what we do here? <laughs> is, isn't that literally no? What that's we what he do here. <laughs> they're they're like I don't know, trying to make like flowers grow and like talk to the angels and be like like. <laughs> Why can't you do that and fuck God? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, but they're like conservatives. They don't want to fuck God. They want to worship God. And Crowley's like, I want to fuck God and be God. an autogodophile. Not an autogodophile. Okay, I want that on a shirt. <laughs> Alistair Crowley, queer icon, original AGP autogodophile. Autogodophile. That's really hard to say. Autogodophile. It kind of sounds like it sounds like a fucked up kind of dinosaur. So they're like, you can't join us. You're weird and gross. So he's like, well, I'm going to go to another lodge of the Order of the Golden, Golden Dawn. That sounds right. Yeah. Which was in Paris, which is like, what a cute trip. It's like, fuck you. I'm going to Paris. Yeah, he's, that he's entering his Emily in Paris moment. Yeah. yeah. And when he went to Paris, Samuel Mathers was like, yeah, of course you can join. Like, you seem totally normal. Yeah. The French are like, oh, well, of course you're going to fuck God. That's what we're all here for. Yes. <laughs> we're going to fuck God and then we're going to fuck God's wife <laughs> in front of him. <laughs> this room is actually the fuck God room. <laughs> All the rooms are, but this one was the fuck God room first. So he goes back to London and he has his like little certificate and he's like, see losers. I got it. I'm in. You can't kick me out. And they were like, I can't believe you went all the way back just to rub it in their faces. Like just stay in Paris. Yeah. you dumb And they fuck. were like, no, we still hate you. <laughs> like we still hate you and you're gross and we don't want you near us. So he and his little friend stealth in after after dark and change the locks. <laughs> and then he waits for them to come back in the morning and try and open the door and then <laughs>, laughs at them. <laughs> okay, I love him. So mature. I love him so much. So <laughs> the funny part is this is like an attempted coup to take over the temple. But like, this isn't a silly movie, right? Like, they have a lease. <laughs> So they went to a judge and they were like, he took our temple. But wasn't it at least <laughs> under a fake name? Temple. 
No, no, this is their temple. Oh, okay. This is the the odor's temple. He snuck in and changed the locks because they wouldn't have him. And he's like, it's my temple now. <laughs> and it's like, no, we have a lease. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> like, we're gonna go to the police now. So they contacted a judge, and the judge was like, You stupid bitch. <laughs> you 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 can't just like take over a rented hall. Like if you could, everybody would be changing locks on houses that they yeah. wanted. <laughs> so stupid. Running up like, to nah. Buckingham Palace and changing the locks. <laughs> 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 Laughing as they try and get in. And it's like, why has nobody ever thought of this before? This is genius. <laughs> Take your little corgis too, bitch. <laughs> Change the locks on those. <laughs> Corgi runs by with like a, a antique key sticking out the side of it. So obviously he's kicked out. Him and Mathers together. Um, so they're isolated from the Golden Dawn. It's just the two of them in their own little group now. Uh, but let's pop out for a little ad break and we'll be right back. But while you listen to these ads, feel free to join our Patreon so you gain access to the morgue and watch our mini shows where we decompress from each episode and get like meta with it behind the curtain stuff, like bonus content. Mm. Okay, BRB. I love bonuses. I know. I love free stuff that I pay for. <laughs> In 1890, Crowley relocated to Mexico City and fell in love both with a country and a woman. He continued his little spells, particularly angelic Enochian magic. I couldn't confirm this, but he claimed that while he was there, he was initiated into the Freemasons. They don't really like have talk about cards. it. Yeah. I can't like go to like geocities.com slash Freemasonry yeah. and like look up their members' registry. I believe a little it. hush hush. I believe it because they're all. Yeah. Sick I mean, he's a little fucking weirdo. Yeah. He probably showed up and like hung around until they let him in. <laughs> they were like, Have you ever masoned something? And and he was like, Yeah. And they were like, Do you believe in freedom? <laughs> he was like, Yeah. He's like, Yeah, that's the only thing I believe in. And they're like, Welcome to the Freemasons. <laughs> that's as far as we got we haven't like figured anything else out but like it's a cool name right yeah it's like when you're in school and you're like we're gonna make a band and then you come with like a cool name and a logo and mm. you're like well that was fun having a band wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> so he spends his time with his buddy Eckenstein climbing mountains and being like an all-around weird little man um one time while climbing a mountain, his friend and him had to hoof it because of a volcanic eruption. So, like, he's doing a little daredevilry and, like, running from a volcano is so iconic cartoon stuff. Yeah, not running very, from a like... pyroclastic flash. I, is that even possible? <laughs> is he lying? <laughs> Probably. I mean, the friend confirmed it, but, like, maybe they're two little liars who have fun yeah. lying together. Maybe they're, like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be so funny if we told people that this volcano erupted and we had to outrun it <laughs> we had to outrun the literal volcano which was chasing us mm -hmm. so he traveled like a lot like i think he got like reverse motion sickness like he was like not okay when he stayed in a place for too long so he left mexico for hawaii and he fell in love again on board the ship with a married woman named mary alice rogers which i think might be the woman from desperate housewives I wouldn't know. I know her name was Mary Alice. I don't know if it was Rogers, but it could have been because she was very white. Um, 
And he wrote about Alice in his book, Alice, an adultery. (laughs) Like, I would be so mad if I cheated on my husband with someone. And then they came out with a book called Kaelin, an affair. (laughs) Like, like, you piece of shit. An adultery. (laughs) He's an amazing writer. Like my uncle Lafayette Ronald. Mm -hmm. Close friends, Um, right? Close friends. No, no, no. Alistair hated Ron. Oh, okay. But not the other way Alistair around. It was one heard, way hate. No, Alistair, Alistair heard about Ron, oh, Ron Hubbard, from Jack Parsons, mm-hmm. who was in like pretty high in the ranks of the Order of the Golden Dawn. And they, he was like, this man is a scammer. This man is complete <laughs> bullshitter. Game recognizes um, game. Yeah, exactly. He was like, Uh, i know what you are (laughs) (laughs) so they didn't really interact other than like through like when he sent the telegram about ron to jack parsons so he pieces out he is like love you mary alice so much fun. Anyways, I'm going to Japan, Hong Kong, and then India, devoting himself to the Hindu practice of Raja Yoga while studying at the Meenakshi Temple in Madura. He spends his days writing poetry and like contracting malaria. Oh, gorgeous no. name for a girl. Malaria. <laughs> okay, so malaria is the name of one of my characters in my anti-vaxxed series. <laughs> that was a gorgeous name for a girl. <laughs> In 1902, Eckenstein came to India to get the old mountain climbing crew back to Gavs, which ended with them attempting to climb K2, which had never been climbed. So, like, good idea. He's like, let me just have a little, a little goose step up there. What's the worst that could happen? A lot. Why did I look in the microphone? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) You're not in here. That's what my friend Green Boots said. That's a sick joke for Himalaya experts. My my Himalaya stands. Thank you, Himalayas. Thank you, Himalayas. (laughs) Thanks for thanks for the cute salt. Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. So (laughs) I love you. You're great. The climb up left Crowley with influenza, malaria, and snow blindness, and the other expedition members fell ill too. They made it 20,000 feet before having to turn back. For the Canadians in the audience, 20,000 is like 10,000 toonies. That's so high. I know. I could never. Mm. I don't even know where the stairs are in my building. And I do not live very far off the first floor. So, like, I really should. But instead, I just, like, get in the elevator and I'm like, this button takes me home. If anything ever happens to it, I'm I'm locked out. <laughs> Just like Queen Elizabeth II. I literally II. have no idea. I did wander around for a while. <laughs> I did wander around the hallways once and I was like, I don't want to know where I am. And then I got lost and then I got scared. So I had to like find my way home. And I was like, well, I'm never leaving there again. <laughs> so after the... After the climb up K2, he was like, fuck this place. And left for Paris to run amok around the city with his friend, painter Gerald Kelly. Gerald. His friend and painter, Ger- Gerald. Gerald. Gerald? Gerald. Is Gerald a name? <laughs> Gerald. Is that how it's that pronounced in wrong. French? 
I have no idea. Gerald. Gerald. I would say Gerald. Gerald. <laughs> Jerry. Gerald. <laughs> With his friend, painter, G. Kelly. G. Ke- oh my gosh. Love him. Such a good dancer. <laughs> he returns to uh, his manch on Loch Ness. He spends the summer there and ends up wedding G. Kelly's sister, Rose Edith Kelly who was a young widow who was engaged to a man whom her parents had selected for her. So she like did not want to get married. And he was like, what if we get married like today and then they can't marry you off? Yeah. That's, that's actually very cool of him. Yeah. This caused like a huge rift between him and G because he was like, that's my literal sister. You just fucking married after knowing for one day. And I know you're a weird culty sex freak. But I draw the line at saving my sister from an unhappy marriage. (laughs) Well, on their honeymoon to Paris, Cairo, and then Salon, he fell in love with her and wrote many love poems, as well as wrote for her the religious satire, Why Jesus Wept. Why did Jesus weep? I need a man to write me a religious satire. (laughs) Like, like seriously, the way I'd be like glucking and glocking, doing like two hand twist bob, like a well-oiled fucking fuck machine. If somebody wrote me a gorgeous religious satire, so like romantic, ugh, I know. Like, and it's so like petty and mean too. Like, I want all my gifts to be slightly petty and mean about like other people or things that I don't like. Like, don't even give me like a birthday or Christmas card. Like, telling me all the things you love about me. Like, tell me all the things you hate about the things I don't like. I feel like that's that's way better. On their honeymoon, Crowley brings Rose into, like, a cave and recites a bunch of dark spells from the Lesser Key of Solomon. That's hot. Intended to summon... I know, right? In, <laughs> Let's have like, some, like, culty And he's reciting sex. spells. I know. Honestly, I was about to say, with enough wine, and I'm like, that's my answer to, like, all sex, though. <laughs> It's like, no, I would not have sex with him. It's like, what if you were drunk? It's like, well, yeah, obviously, obviously then. Yeah. Obviously then, I'm not an animal. So they intended to summon Horus. And though this had never worked for him, when he did it with Rose, her head snapped back and she claimed that she had heard Horus and was given a vision of him. Was her neck okay? Yeah, she's fine. Okay. That sounded that sounded really violent. Like her her head snapped back. It's giving like faith healing like like i exercise you and they're like oh and like fall to the ground they do a little death drop okay it's like i know you're okay i'm an empath so i just got a little like empathetic neck pains thinking about it yeah that's real so crowley got mad and was like fuck this liar like i rock and she's not even trying and like she gets to talk to god on the first time like what a prick Oh, no. And she's like, well, maybe the gods didn't want to talk to you because you're like so aggressive and entitled. Did you ever think about that, Dick? Um, so many marriages have dissolved this way. <laughs> exactly. Everyone knows that, you know what they say, once you take the cave. Your marriage can't be saved. So he drags her to the museum and was like, if you talk to Horace and you saw him, show me Horace, you little bitch. <laughs> and she was like, right there, exhibit 666. <gasps> And he like goes over and it's it's Horace. Oh my God. And it's like, okay. So now he's like excited. He was like, oh my God, this bitch is magic. I'm so horny right that's now. That's good for me yeah. because I'm married to her. Yeah. Like that's that's half I my can't magic. Use this. 
<laughs> half of that magic is legally mine. In fact, all of it in is. like early 1900s. Yeah, all of it, all of it is. is. She's a woman. <laughs> Sucks to be her. If she didn't want all of her magic stolen, maybe shouldn't, she shouldn't have decided yeah. to become a woman. So they take off back to Cairo to their little hideaway for a top secret debrief on her gorgeous little visions. And Rose gives like a, a like reimagining channeling of everything that she saw. And apparently what she saw was Horace had like left a note on summoning spirits. So she gives Alistair like a personalized ritual of like, this is why it wasn't working for you before. Like, here's the real shit, like straight from, from the Horace's the horse. mouth. You don't look a gift Horace in the mouth. <laughs> so after completing the ritual, Alistair experienced a, like a divine like little shoulder tap of like somebody like whispering in his ear, being like, I'm your guardian angel. My name's Eowas. <laughs> and gave him like little prophecies fucking avatar ass Just... name <laughs> <laughs> the little divine scribe taskmaster then told him give him like a three-day info dump of a transcription so it's very joseph smith mm -hmm. it's like i have a book for you to write here's like a download i'm putting it in your brain i need you to transcribe this because it needs to like be on earth and he, the resulting book was called The Book of the Law, like a celestial tell-all that basically was like YOLO was like the, okay. the theme to it. You Like literally what he wrote was like, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, which is like do what thou wilt was like adopted by like a lot of like satanic groups, I think. Right, like, right. Like that's it. That's the law. Like do what you want to do, which is like a silly law because even in these groups, like satanic groups or like the oto or anything like that like they say that they follow uh do what thou wilt but then like if you like walk into their temple and like knock something over yeah they're like don't do that <laughs> don't do that stop <laughs> doing what thou wilt <laughs> and then if you bring that up to them they'll be like well now i'm doing what i wilt and what i wilt is to make you stop and it's like <laughs> i will yeah. you leave um, here and stop being annoying <laughs> right now <Yeah. laughs> so crowley would this is what he was told crowley the gods were like so in case you haven't guessed you're kind of like a special prophet oh um, special boy I know my special little gifted <laughs> child. He's in. They they were like, guess what? You you're in the gifted club now, so we can assume that like you will be talking about this late into your fifties. You'll be tweeting about it <laughs> as a gifted child. As a child who was in the gifted program, as a child who was gifted, I was often seen as difficult, but I was really just like smart, special, perfect, and better than you. So he gets this book. It's the new era. He's a prophet. It's a new era in like magic altogether. But he doesn't like do a bunch of the stuff that the book said he had to do, like retrieving the steel of revealing from the museum, constructing a fortified island, and translating the book into all the languages of the world. Oh yeah, that sounds hard. Instead, he was just like that. Sounds really. I know. Hard. That sounds like it would take so long. That's like a lifetime. Yeah. All the languages. He all barely spoke one. <laughs> What's a scroom? <laughs> like, <laughs> he could just honestly make it up, right? So he flies back to England to go to the Golden Dawn again and was like, great news. I'm your prophet. Do you love me now, daddy? What do they like, say? Because I'm back and I'm super important and I'm super magic. They were skeptical. 
and doubted him. Although like a faction of them thought maybe the spell did work, but because he's stupid, he was being catfished by a demon rather than like having like an angelic connection, (laughs) which is like funny because they were probably like, listen, you were wearing a fake mustache. Like maybe this, like maybe the, the demon was wearing like a, like a weird like LED strip floating around its head. No, a fake like, mustache. An angel. <laughs> the demon is wearing a fake mustache. I'm like a demon. <laughs> and- Angels are hot. Mustaches are hot. Yeah. <laughs> so this must be an angel. It's like red. The the pitchfork has a mustache too. Like a little tiny one on the handle. Oh my god, that's so cute. <laughs> Do you remember like in the mid 2000s when like hipster things like we were we were like no. moralizing about hipsters and yes. everything had little handlebar mustaches? Yeah, I'm, so embarrassing. It was the bacon era that makes me real oh, sick. The bacon era. So he gets denied the VIP access to the secret society's inner quorum, and instead was like, okay, you know what? Like, fuck you again. And goes back to, like, the Parisian Golden Dawn. And they're like, oh, that's dope. (laughs) Like, that's cool. I can't believe you got to talk to God and he said you were special. French people are so gullible. I am super French about being stupid. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'll believe anything in, like, a really Parisian way. Um, Crowley goes back to Loch Ness. But he starts to get super paranoid that people are using magic against him, particularly Mathers, the guy who runs the the Parisian chapter, um, because like now he's the chosen one. So now he has to be like, oh, my God, are people jealous of me? I feel like everybody is super jealous of me right now because of how I'm the chosen prophet of some god whose name I don't remember. Stubbing my toe on my couch and being like, magic. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody move that couch. Texas. oh i've been hexed it's like no you just have like tongue fuzz just brush your teeth you should be brushing your tongue anyways after what happened to your fucking Mm -hmm. dad who's dead remember how he's dead and he's never coming back you're prone to tongue disease yeah it's in your genetics beautiful name for a girl wait oh yeah (laughs) wait it wouldn't be. <laughs> Jeanette's an ugly name, which is why Jeanette McCurdy's garbage mom gave it to her because she <laughs> piece of shit. In 1905, Alistair Crowley thought it'd be like a super great idea to lead his pals up Kanchenjunga, one of the world's most dangerous mountains, if not the most dangerous mountain. That does sound like a cool idea. I know, right? Well, now he's magic, too. It's like Yeah, so he's like, you don't have to know how to climb a mountain. I will know it for you. Yeah. Uh, They went up 25,000 feet, and they were, like, living the high alt dream. Getting nosebleeds. Until Jules (laughs) Jacot (laughs) Galarmod, the designated expedition photographer team member, decided he'd had enough of Crowley's annoying bullshit. Because, like, Crowley's making decisions, like, being like, we need to keep going further. And, like, he's being, like, a taskmaster. Everybody fucking hates him. He's annoying as shit. I would also hate a guy Um, who's, like, forcing me to walk up a mountain really fast. I'd be like, chill the fuck out. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm so tired. I just want to stop and eat. (laughs) Yeah. You said that you brought Franken beans. Where are they? 
uh, cue the alpine drama. We got heated arguments, rebellious climbers staging a mutiny, and everyone heading south as nightfall descended faster than Crowley on a twink's wand. Amidst the chaos, a few of the porters die in an avalanche that hits them. Rumor has it that while the avalanche was doing its thing, Crowley sat in his tent trying to summon a demon to, like, save them. He summoned an avalanche demon to kill them. (laughs) His demon summoning has gotten a lot better. That avalanche was not scared. (laughs) The screams for help echoed through the snowy peaks, but Crowley shrugged it off and left them to their frosty fate. What a little bitch! We're only there because of you. He said later he'd say he had no sympathy for the dead. <laughs> which, which like glass house stones. I'm not going to be like, you need to show respect to these dead men. But you could at least like pull them out of the snow before they die. Like, yeah. Like he's like thoughts and prayers, but like the prayers to a demon. But like, it's the same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> So he pieces out and he's like, lol, do you remember when all those people died? Anyway, I'm going to India and I'm going to go big game hunting and write gay poetry about my old lover, which is like that. That's uh, a vibe. Pull it. That's when he wrote the the, full book of gay poetry, The Scented Garden. Oh, after meeting Rose and their one-year-old Lilith in Calcutta, Crowley was forced to leave India after non-lethally shooting two men who tried to mug him. At this point, he's like, very high so i don't know if i believe they tried to mug him he might have been trying to steal their opiums because he's like he's smoking opium throughout the entire journey through india and he is like vibing working on his magic getting really in touch with being like a special little boy prophet so Um, he peppered a couple of drug dealers and then yeah i think so (laughs) and then had to run yeah <laughs> as rose and lilith made their w- lilith is a gorgeous name for a girl yeah, it is. as rose and lilith made their way back to europe crowley ventured to shanghai to reunite with his old friend elaine simpson intrigued by the book of the law they engaged in rituals together striving to establish contact with iwas again iwas awas awas awash big a Afterwards, Crowley sailed to Japan and then Canada before continuing to New York City, where he unsuccessfully sought support for a second expedition up the Kachinjunga, which like, nobody's going to go with you. Remember about the (laughs) dead men? Remember how you killed those people? (laughs) With a a snow demon? (laughs) When Crowley got to Britain, he found out that Lilith had died at the age of two of typhoid. Not Lilith. He, I know. She was my favorite in the story. She sounds adorable just because of her name, but like. Yeah. But I bet she was. And because she was two. And because yeah. she was two. <laughs> she hasn't done anything. She's a toddler. She hasn't been alive enough. It's not like she's like one of those garbage, nasty little, like morally bankrupt three year olds. He later said that Rose's alcoholism was the reason. That the marriage disintegrated. I don't think someone else's alcoholism is what gives you to... Oh, (laughs) for a second, I thought you were going to say the reason the baby (laughs) died. (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) I think he blamed her for the death anyways, though. Like, maybe she wasn't taking care of her because she was an alcoholic. Like, there was a lot of, like, hatred there for her. What a motherfucker. Um, Yeah. And despite welcoming a second daughter, Lola Zaza which is also gorgeous. I love the name Lola. Lola. 
it became painfully obvious that the love had gone from their relationship, leaving Rose in despair as he began romances with actress Vera Lola Neville. This was during, so he may or may not have been like, why don't we name her Lola? <laughs> and I can only I can only store a certain number of names in my brain. So I'm just gonna call you Lola. <laughs> so I only have enough room for like three female names. So you're Lola and I'm gonna have to call you mom. Is that weird? <laughs> it's just so full of spells. <laughs> <laughs> It's like crammed up to the corners with like really deep, luxurious magic. Thick magic. <laughs> Fat magics. <laughs> Veiny magics. <laughs> Crowley, like his dead dad dad, exhibited minimal interest in fatherhood. He was like, you know what? Maybe you should go to boarding school because I loved it there. Teaming up with his old mentor, George Cecil Jones, Crowley kept the mystical party alive at the Ashdown Park Hotel in Surrey by staging the Abramelin rituals, the ones he was doing at Loch Ness. According to Crowley, these rituals catapulted him into Samadhi, a supposed union with Godhead. This is like, we're going to season three now. End of season two, I mm -hmm. become almost a god unto myself. Season three, I get some Godhead. Yes. Mm. Mm, godhead. Season three is like starts off with him writing his essay, The Psychology of Hashish. Okay. Where he's like, maybe drugs open up a different world and just show it to you. Groundbreaking. And that's how we all heal the world. I'm like, first of first person on drugs to ever be like, does anyone feel a bit mystical right now? <laughs> I'm feeling really spiritual. So he claims he gets another round of calls from Iwas in late October and November 1907. This time, Iwas serves up two more texts. Liber 7? It's like a V and an I and an I. And Liber Cordis Cincti Serpente. And these books with his first book formed the holy books of Thelema, which is like Thelema is like his religion now, his cult, his like order. Thelema and Louise. Oh, Thelema is a gorgeous name for a girl. Mm -hmm. But at this point, his inheritance is like drying up and he decides it's time to like dust off his little like multitasking cape and go down and find somebody that wants him to teach them witchcraft. Can't find anyone, but finds George Montague Bennett, the Earl of Tankerville, who's like, I'm being attacked by fucking witches all the time. All the, do you see that? They're everywhere. One just flew by. <laughs> One just flew by. I don't oh, think Oh, sorry. It's it this. was actually Coke. I think it's the, oh, okay. <laughs> it was Coke. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's like, do you, you see that? <laughs> and obviously, like, he knows a druggie. He is a druggie. <laughs> game recognized game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't take advantage of him. He's like, we need to get you sober. So let's, on your dime, take a delightful holiday escapade to like France and then maybe Morocco. And that's like, we're going to kick this addiction. You're going to get like all the benefits of. I love that. Withdrawal. I'm going to help you. Party. I'm going to help you get sober. And to do so, I'm going to need you to take me on vacation. <laughs> you need to get away from all the stuff that like reminds you of doing drugs. So like, are we thinking like Morocco? <laughs> <laughs> or like 
I love queer people. They're hilarious. Like, what a little fucking scammer. In November 1907, Crowley and friends make the decision to establish an occult order as a successor to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. This initiative led to the formation of the AA. But it's like Alcoholics Anonymous? Therefore symbol. A, therefore symbol. The little, like, triangle of dots. Okay. So I don't know what the fuck that is. It sounded stupid. So they basically are like the Order of the Golden Dawn, but like with like the Lemek like sprinklings in there. So like some of the rituals are very similar, but he's like, but I also heard God say that we should do like this other thing as well. Okay. He James Somerton did. He like control F'd right. LGBTQ and like replaced it with gay or whatever. And as a side hustle, Crowley opened his doors to paying students, becoming the wise instructor in all things occult and magical. Enter Victor Newberg, who not only became Crowley's right-hand man, but also his partner in crime. Like, literally. They love crime. Me too! I know. Their adventures took them to northern Spain in 1908, before setting sail for Morocco. He he loves Morocco. Mm. He's gotta work on his tan. (laughs) Back at Bullskin the following year, Newberg set up camp, and the duo delved into the intriguing world of sadomasochism and exploring each other's bodies. (sighs) these little freaks <laughs> <laughs> I know they're like should we go back to Loch Ness Monster Smudge is taking care of it for me but like we could really fuck each other up there <laughs> just like really harm each other <laughs> wouldn't that be so fucking hot we like summon God and then beat the shit out of each other and then fucked and I'm like you know what but only for magic well yeah they're making magic all that yeah. energy like that's real shit it's real this is real none of this is silly silly. this is just not this is not just two men coming up with like increasingly (laughs) elaborate excuses to fuck each other (laughs) honestly like their relationship seems so like vivacious like they're they're really keeping the magic alive oh my god they're literally keeping the magic alive i guess it would it would like add a lot of spice to your sex life if you're like we have to fuck because the demons need it (laughs) (laughs) the demons are gonna destroy the earth if you don't punch my teeth out and then shove your so he's enjoying life getting the shit kicked out of him and then writing like in a frenzy at night uh, mostly short horror tales cute one of these was the tale of the patrons of the vulture queens two stupid hags with vocal fry who tell stories of the dead but like in a cunty way they accept donations from their followers <laughs> and in exchange allowed them to see beyond the veil into what they call bonus content on patreon.com slash respect the dead Oh my god, that sounds like such a good story. I want to listen to that. I also want to listen to that. I would love to like cunty little vulture queens telling me stories about dead people and like laughing in their nasty little bird voices. I would definitely sign up for their Patreon. Marketable. So Thalema was also the name of his new cult where the book of the law was their Bible. So like now we got his weird little book that he scribbled out on three days. <laughs> no book that was written in three days should be able to like be the formation <laughs> of a religion. Like, I'm sorry, but like, take your time, call an editor. But like... the first rule is do what you want. <laughs> I do, <laughs> do whatever the fuck I 
I want. I do love that it's called the book of the law, and it's like law number one. No, do whatever you want. No laws. <laughs> no laws. Law number two. There is no law number two, except for do what you want more. So they establish a commune in an Italian villa, oh, christening it that. the Abbey of Thalema. And I'm like, oh, he's been so many places. I know. That sounds great. I love a little I Italian know. commune. I know I was just shitting on the Italians like an hour ago, but like, nice I'm place. I'm so Italian for a commune. Yes. <laughs> Residents were urged to indulge in their desires without constraints leading to like drug use, communal orgies. And uninhibited children roaming the premises naked. Okay, don't love that so much. One room in the villa, named the Nightmare Room, mm. featured walls adorned with Crowley's fucked up paintings. So he would like go in there no. like high on opium and paint like weird shit all over the place. And then made his followers take LSD and go in there and was like, and go in the nightmare room <laughs> and gaze upon my fears. I don't want to go in the nightmare room, Kaylin. I don't want to. <laughs> but you have to. You have to go in the nightmare room it. or we're never going to be able to go to the fuck party What happened tonight. to do with that wilt? What, if, what about what I will no. not? No, my name is thou. <laughs> It's do what thou wilt. I'm thou. <laughs> and I wilt. And I wilt you to do it. Come on. No. Um, he wants them to go in so that they can like get over their fears. And it's like, but you made the fears. It's not like you're like helping them conquer like agoraphobia or whatever. Like, it's yeah. like I'm afraid of the nightmare room. It's like, well, we don't need a nightmare room. Also, like, I love that he's like, go in this room full of my paintings and look at them. <laughs> look at my paintings. Isn't that fucked up? Is it? <laughs> Just showing everyone his deviant art page. <laughs> Look at this demon. He has three horns. <laughs> Fucks your mind up, doesn't it? <laughs> so the unconventional activities gave a little startle to the neighbors. Um, and locals are still claiming, obviously, the house has a lingering curse. Rumors suggest that the rituals there escalated, reaching disturbing levels like bestiality and animal sacrifice. I don't know how like apocryphal that is, yeah, but, but people I that it. have left the cult have been like, they killed a cat and made me drink its blood and shit. I like, believe it. This guy was a fucking freak. Yeah. In 1909, he and what's her name? Maria? Mary. Lola? Lola's mom. Okay. I don't remember her name. In 1909... Lola's Alistair mom. and his wife get divorced. <laughs> Lola's mom. Uh, what was it? Lilith, dead Lilith and Lola's mom. They get Rose. divorced due to his... Rose. They get divorced due to his infidelity. He was like, listen, I'm cheating on you and it's amazing. I'm cheating on you with an entire cult of people. She had to have known. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like... <laughs> Um, imagine him like solemnly bringing it up like <laughs> takes off his fake mustache <laughs> rose i know this is gonna be really painful and quite shocking for you to hear but i've had sex with other people i know your brain is so tiny and i don't so want this smooth. to blow out the back of your skull but like have you ever been tested for syphilis <laughs> because you have it <laughs> So he's like, anyways, you're like an irresponsible, disgusting, alcoholic mess who can't take care of yourself. So obviously I'm going to leave Lola with you. <laughs> and 
<laughs> peace the fuck out. Uh, but then two years later, he institutionalized her because he was like, your behavior being like a nasty woman is obviously from your neurological damage from being a dirty little alcoholic. From not sacrificing enough cats. <laughs> well, he says, well, like lighting up a a nice opium cigarette or whatever. Oh, I bet opium spliffs went hard. Oh my god! Oh my god! It would be so cute with like a little cigarette holder. What are you smoking? You're like flower, poppy. So like the people that met Crowley and knew him and were like in his life, a lot of them ended up mentally ill. Like (gasps) after being with him, and there's like it's like was he attracted to people who were like a little unbalanced, or or did he drive people crazy? Or yeah, or yeah, or is he fucking gaslighting them and abusing them and lying to them and like mistreating them? Well, what's the common denominator here? <laughs> so like most people, even if he didn't leave them like like mentally taxed and broken, he did leave them like either like destitute or like just worse off. Like right. You know that rule, like you're supposed to leave a campsite better than you found it? He was like, he didn't. The opposite. <laughs> he was like, I actually, I'm not even camping. I'm just here to dump some garbage from my mansion. <laughs> so he'd bring people into the cult, get them into drugs, sex magic, and then head off for somewhere else, like leaving them behind with like addictions and like feeling like they were horrible fucking demon conjuring sinners. Like a lot of these people started off as like Christians and he brought them in and made them do things that are like so antithetical to like everything they believe in. That was like, bye, like time to go find my next wife. Uh, The women that he brings in were called Scarlet women. That's like whenever he had like a new woman, that was his woman. She was called the Scarlet Woman. Okay, that is kind of a vibe, though. I know. I want to be some Scarlet, Scarlet Woman. And, like, a no. beautiful, like, floor-length Scarlet gown with, like, Ugh, lots of cleavage. Yes. So sexuality obviously holds, like, a significant position in his, like, conceptualization of magic and his implementation of it. It's, like, a central element like it's not just like and then we do sex magic he's like sex is the way we conjure magic most effectively and he delineated three forms of sex magic autoerotic so like wanking homosexual so like fag shit and heterosexual so like but there's no like there's no like bi magic it's like male female male male or you on yourself uh, and contended that these acts could serve as a means to channel the magician's will towards specific objectives so like you fuck a guy in the ass if you want like financial prosperity but if you want like personal creative success you might like eat your eat your young lass out or whatever oh like it's like a horny version of like those like lucky cats that you get. Like you get the gold one yes. if you want money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's a little mystical, a little yeah. spiritual down at his, his magic cult. In November 1909, Crowley and Newberg embark on a journey to Algeria. During this expedition, Crowley invoked the 30 Aethers of Enochian Magic with Newberg documenting the outcomes later published in the Equinox under the title The Vision and the Voice. Following a ritual involving sex magic on a mountaintop, Crowley also conducted an evocation to the demon Karanzon, which included a blood sacrifice. 
He regarded the results as a pivotal moment in his magical career, and upon returning to London in January 1910, discovered that Mathers was suing him for disclosing Golden Dawn secrets in the Equinox. So, like, that's his little paper that he's writing. Right. And he's just like, yeah, I was part of them, and this is what they did. The court ruled in favor of Crowley because the judge was like, well, this is made up. This isn't, like, copyrighted. You're, this is, like, religion. You're, you're writing your little fanfic. The court ruled in favor of Crowley, and the case received widespread coverage in the media, contributing to Crowley's increased fame. Despite not being a Satanist or an advocate of human sacrifice, he embraced the sensationalist stereotypes and played into it during this period. So he's, like, getting attention as this, like, demonic black magician. And he's like, yes, that's me. I love human sacrifice so hard. It's so fun. I do it all the time. And the buzz generated by this starts bringing new people into the AA. And he crafts the rites of Artemis. So, like, this is, like, a public spectacle of, like, magic and symbolism showcasing all the members of the AA, like, calling in different deities into themselves and then, like, being like, ooh, I'm Athena. I love war and being smart and owls and stuff i love this it's like a cute little school play (laughs) i know so they bring the press in and most of the press was like i don't know we had fun yeah it sounds fun it sounds like they seemed chill like it was a fun night like we were drinking they let me have a little hashish yeah and then like like zeus was there and he was like hilarious yeah That's literally a toga party. It's literally like a college party. (laughs) This sounds great. Like we're legitimately just vibing. Yeah. In October and November 1910, he does like a similar thing called the Rites of Lucius. And this time the press is like, eh, we've seen this before. Like, we get it. You're edgy. Crowley faced sharp criticism, notably from West DeWend Fenton the editor of the Looking Glass newspaper, who labeled him one of the most blasphemous and cold-blooded villains of modern times. Fenton's articles insinuated that Crowley and Jones engaged in homosexual activity. (gasps) While Crowley was like, and what about it? (laughs) Jones attempted to sue for libel, but like unsuccessfully, because the judge was like, Mm. say a word with a bunch of (laughs) S's. The judge was like, I know what you are. (laughs) the judge was a little wiener dog you can't make me do that this is silly i'm not gonna do it (laughs) the judge is like right okay (laughs) so case dismissed (laughs) (laughs) the scandal prompted fuller to sever ties and end his relationship with crowley Crowley was not ashamed, though. He championed unrestricted sexual freedom for both men and women. He asserted that individuals identifying as homosexual or bisexual should embrace their sexual orientation without suppressing it. Oh, my God. Emphasizing that one must not be ashamed or afraid of being homosexual if he happens to be so at heart. He must not attempt to violate his own true nature because of public opinion or medieval morality or religious prejudice that would prefer him to be otherwise. What a woke king. I know. Uh, well, <laughs> we're getting to that. <laughs> I see nothing wrong. I stand him. I'm saying it right now. He's going to have good politics forever. He opposed abortion on moral grounds. Oops. Contending that no woman aligned with her true will would ever desire one. What do you know what's in the hearts of women? I know. I mean, other than like... No, he, I guess he was with a lot of women. He was very bisexual about it. Biographer Lawrence Sutton observed that blatant bigotry is a persistent minor element in Crowley's writings. 
Sutton portrayed Crowley as a spoiled scion of a wealthy Victorian family who embodied many of the worst John Bull racial and social prejudices of his upper class contemporaries, noting the contradiction in his character, reflecting the prevalent racist views of his time, along with the simultaneous fascination with people of color. There are instances where Crowley insulted his close Jewish friend, Victor Newberg, using anti-Semitic slurs, and he held mixed opinions about Jewish people as a collective. Oops. Mixed opinions. Mixed opinions. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how I feel about the Jews. I'm mixed. <laughs> well. <laughs> the fuck? He says to his Jewish friend. He goes, I do think that they're in charge of Hollywood. But I also think. Yes. Is that so bad? You know what? Let them cook. (laughs) While praising the Jews' sublime poetry. Oh my God, he's literally doing what I just joked that he would. Yeah. While praising their sublime poetry and acknowledging qualities like imagination, romance, loyalty, and humanity, he also believed that centuries of persecution had led some Jewish individuals to display traits like servility, falseness, cunning and the rest crowley however praised various ethnic and cultural groups considering the chinese to exhibit spiritual superiority over the english and applauding muslims for their manliness straightforwardness subtlety and (laughs) self-respect he's such a creep they're so manly manly. (laughs) like you horny little fuck I love straightforwardness and subtlety in the like <laughs> one after another. That was that was like he had just said something he caught himself saying something really horny and he was like I got to find a couple of other superlatives. Right. They're straightforward. <laughs> straightforwardness. Punctual. Subtle. <laughs> we need another S. Self-respect. <laughs> Like sexy, solid. Nope. nope sorry. <laughs> like swinging wildly back into horny Alistair. God damn it. <laughs> Keep it together, Crowley. Keep it together. <laughs> Both critics of Crowley and followers of Thalema have accused him of sexism, the S word. Biographer Booth described Crowley as displaying a general misogyny which the biographer believed stemmed from Crowley's strained relationship with his mother. I don't actually think it's his mom's fault um, that he's a misogynist. I just kind of assumed that any man born in the 19th century was. Scholars remain divided. (laughs) I almost feel like blaming the mother is another kind of misogyny. (laughs) One could say. A feminist might argue. (laughs) Sutton noted that Crowley largely accepted the notion implicitly embodied in Victorian sexology of women as secondary social beings in terms of intellect and sensibility. This is from the man who thinks literally if he gets fucked up the ass, it makes a special kind of magic. Literally, Horace wouldn't even talk to you. He talked to your wife. I know. Well, I would honestly, after 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 that, like maybe you should hate women. Look at everything <laughs> they took from you. That glory you never had. They stole it from you. Just like Eve stole the apple. Right out of the snake's (laughs) mouth. Or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. I don't read the Bible. I'm not a nerd. 
scholar of religion, Manon Hedenborg-White, acknowledged that some of Crowley's statements are undoubtedly misogynist by contemporary standards, but characterized Crowley's attitude towards women as intricate and multifaceted. Crowley's comments on women's roles vary dramatically within his written work, even during similar periods. He described women as moral inferiors who needed to be treated with firmness, kindness, and justice, while also arguing that the lemma was crucial for women's emancipation. Why? I don't actually think that he's all that divided. <laughs> I think he is being like fucking paternal the entire way through. And it's like, these dumb little pea-brained bitches are like, and why... they can't make decisions for themselves, but I think I can liberate them. Why was this cult crucial for women's emancipation? I, they probably needed magic to do it. And he was like the most magicus. Oh did he get us the vote? Did he ask a demon to get <gasps> oh, us the vote? <laughs> not him with his little suffragette pin on there, like the OG turf, biblically accurate turf. <laughs> I love. He, he is like the nineteenth century equivalent of like a feminist man who has like a pussy hat, but <laughs> but like abuses all oh, his girlfriends. Oh God! Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Um, speaking of horrible crimes against humanity, uh, maybe we should skip to another little ad. By which I mean, our I sponsors to... <laughs> love crimes against humanity. <laughs> in January 1914, Crowley and Newberg took up residence in a Paris apartment where Crowley was involved in the controversy around Jacob Epstein's new monument to Oscar Wilde. During this period, Crowley became embroiled in the unfolding events. The duo embarked on the six-week Paris working, characterized by intense rituals and substantial drug use, mm -hmm. during which they evoked the deities Mercury and Jupiter. As part of this ritual, of course, of course, Crowley and Newberg engaged in acts of sex magic, occasionally joined by journalist Walter Durante, who watched. The way, uh, okay, like imagine being Walter and being like stone cold sober watching these two people who are like clearly like grinding their teeth to a pulp, to like nubs and fucking each other. And like, we're going to call fucking Jupiter tonight. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Mercury. Yeah. So, <laughs> noting it down, like, huh, interesting. Mm, mm. Bringing it home and like being like, honey, I saw something weird today, <laughs> but like, you maybe want to, like, if I. Yeah, I've got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I've got these ideas, and you've got a broom handle, <laughs> <laughs> a match made in halves. <laughs> Following the conclusion of the Paris working, a rift developed between Newberg and Crowley, escalating to a heated argument in which Crowley placed a curse on Newberg. <laughs> I imagine, okay, I imagine these men running through the temples like, zoo, zoo, and it's like, <laughs> I hit you. No, you didn't. I ducked. <laughs> So it adorable. makes me so happy. <laughs> like, like, like high off the rack. <laughs> like, <"Hada -bada!" laughs> I love them. Like, butt fucking naked, <laughs> yeah. too. Like, so 1914, Crowley finds himself in a very precarious financial situation, depending heavily on donations from the AA members and membership dues from the, from the Ordo Templi Orealis the other cult that he's like involved in they still exist today 
They're little fucking weirdos, too. It's very similar to Thelemism. Thelemism. In May, facing financial constraints, he had to give up his manch. No, not his manch. I know. Mm. <laughs> Everybody knows the pain of losing your first manch. Smudge watching him pack his bags and leave. <laughs> <laughs> Dipping below the surface of the water <laughs> as he disappears over the horizon. <laughs> we assume the pictures weren't very clear. <laughs> it might have been a duck. <laughs> In New York, he takes up residence in a hotel and starts earning a living by contributing to the American edition of Vanity Fair, which is like oh, he's cool. entering his Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah. Carrie Bradshaw era, and taking on freelance projects for the renowned astrologer Evangeline Adams. And it's like, Ooh. moves to the city, writes for Vanity Fair, and works for an astrologer. An astrologer like, named Evangeline. I know, it's so hot. It's so cute. Change your name to Evangeline. So pretty. Maybe I will. Hoots is such a cute little nickname, though. Maybe maybe I wilt. I don't know. I might wilt it. Maybe thou wilt. <laughs> In the bustling city, Crowley continued his exploration of sex magic, employing methods such as masturbation and <laughs> fucking sex workers. What a pioneer. And showing up at Turkish bathhouses and be like, we're going to fuck, but it's going to get weird, <laughs> uh, sir. It's going to get weird. Do you know who Mercury is? Because you're about to. <laughs> how good are your teeth? On a scale of like one to ten, how loose are your teeth? <laughs> he relocates to Greenwich Village, choosing Leah Hersig as both his lover and the next Scarlet Woman to lead alongside him. Amid struggles with asthma, a physician prescribes him, can you guess? Opium. You like loved doctors earlier. You were like defending their their early medicines. So it's heroin. It's just like. Close. Straight up like, let's just inject heroin Still. into your veins for your asthma. It will relax your lungs <laughs> so that you can breathe again. You're going to be so relaxed. Oh my God. I'm an asthmatic and I'm so mad that I live in a time where doctors are just prescribing me albuterol instead of heroin. I know. Obviously, this led to an addiction. Like, asthma doesn't go away, so they just keep giving you heroin. <laughs> In January 1920, he goes to Paris, where he and Leah rent a house. They soon form a thruple with Nanette Shumway. And in terms of living arrangements, Leah's newborn daughter, Anne Poupet, moves in with them okay so having a thruple in paris in 1920 while you're super high on drugs is like yes the most like that is that is the best aesthetics you could ever hope for like that is living the dream oh absolutely that is like yeah this is what they should have made go piss girl about so they start another villa villa santa barbara which like I don't know. I don't love it. Sounds very California. You don't get like Lilith and like Lola and then go like Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. Like find, yeah. find something cuter. Settling into the commune alongside Hersig, Shumway, and their children, Hansi, Howard, and Poupet, Crowley portrayed the situation as utterly blissful, my version of paradise. Donned in robes, they conducted rituals dedicated to the sun god Ra at specific intervals throughout the day, occasionally engaging in the Gnostic mass, and the remainder of the day was theirs to pursue personal interests. Oh my god, imagine being rich. You can, you can only do this if you're rich. Oh, absolutely. The place was, like, fucked, though. Nobody cleaned. They had, like, 
indoor outdoor cats and dogs like shitting no. all over the house and the children were around while the adults had like fucking sex magic orgies ew like they were just like fuck in front of the kids in the shit house ew okay those vibes aren't good yeah no they're rancid and occasionally when he needed a little fix he would go into town hook up with male sex workers get some supplies for the house including his drugs which obviously increasingly became like his main focus right because like that's what happens when you do heroin Mm -hmm. and a lot of cocaine heroin and cocaine (sighs) yeah his nasal cavity one cavity gone just one just one single cavity (laughs) he had a nostril just the one Fresh devotees continued to arrive at the Abbey seeking instruction from Crowley. Among them was film star Jane Wolfe, who entered in July 1920, underwent initiation into the AA, and assumed the role of Crowley's secretary. Another arrival was Cecil Frederick Russell, who frequently clashed with Crowley, expressing aversion to the same-sex magic that was part of the required practices, and he left after a year. He was like, I am not letting this freak fuck me. (laughs) This like one nostril having freak is like trying to fucking mount me at every opportunity. (laughs) I'm like, I came here because I heard it was a sex cult, but I didn't know there was going to be fat shit. (laughs) Which like, I got it. If that's not your thing, probably don't join the cult, right? Join a different cult. That is just hetero. Yeah, there's sex plenty cult. There's of cults. so many hetero sex cults. A young thelemite named Raoul Loveday, along with his wife Betty May, joined the Abbey. While Loveday displayed unwavering devotion to Crowley, May harbored strong dislike for both him and life in the commune. Later, May claimed that Loveday was coerced into consuming the blood of a sacrificed cat, and that they were compelled to self-inflict cuts with razors every time they used the pronoun "I." What the fuck? Which is like, I know. I'm like, let me try this. Me think we need to leave this cult. (laughs) And me think we need to take an ad break. Me thinks you're right. (laughs) Me think right. (laughs) We never Jar Jar Bingsing it. (laughs) Having consumed water from a nearby contaminated stream, Loveday quickly contracted a liver infection that led to his death. Upon her return to London, May shared her account with the media. John Bull boldly declared Crowley the wickedest man in the world and expressed a desire to see him hanged. Although Crowley considered many of their allegations slanderous, financial constraints prevented him from pursuing legal action against them. Consequently, John Bull persisted in its assault, disseminating its stories in newspapers across Europe and North America. Mussolini's government became aware of Crowley's undertakings, leading to a deportation notice in April 1923 that compelled him to exit Italy. And consequently, the Abbey shuttered its doors. Mussolini himself was like, get this weird little sex pest out of my fucking country. It's like when Elon banned you from Twitter. (laughs) For being a sex pest on Twitter. (laughs) Absolutely. As is your right. (laughs) Which is what the suffragettes fought for. Yeah. Crowley relocated to Paris, where, plagued by persistent health issues, he made another unsuccessful attempt to break free from heroin. During this period, he commenced the writing of what he referred to as his autohagiography, titled (laughs) Hagiography? Autohagiography? Autohagiography. What does that mean? I have no idea. I think he made the term up. I don't know what the fuck it means. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing he does means anything. All of this is silly. In Tunis... He was accompanied by Norman Mudd, a Thelemite who took on the role of Crowley's public relations consultant. 
Crowley enlisted the services of a local boy, Mohammed Ben Brahim, as his servant, and Crowley went with him on a retreat to Nefta, where he says they performed sex magic together, which sounds like sexual assault yeah. to me. This is like a young person who he was employing. Is under his employ, yeah. Like, yeah. So like, I am of the mind that a lot of people did not want to engage in sex magic with him right. but he was like feeding them drugs and like making promises about like power and wealth like it was mm-hmm. it was never really and like because he's the cult, he's leader, cult leader it was never really yeah you there isn't consent between a cult leader and the followers yeah exactly in january 1924 facing destitution Crowley journeyed to France. In dire straits, he accepted a wealthy student, Alexander Zuzelar, and later welcomed another American follower, Dorothy Olson. Crowley brought Olson to Tunisia for a magical retreat during which she became pregnant. Hersig was summoned to care for Olson, who unfortunately miscarried. Following this, Crowley transported Olson back to France, and Hersig distanced herself from Crowley, who then publicly disavowed her. So do you see what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. everywhere he goes, he brings people in, he ruins their lives, and then just pieces the fuck out. Sometimes he even brings someone with them, dumps them off somewhere else, and then leaves that place to go somewhere else, too. Like, it's like, in his wake, is just like, so many hurt people Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care because he's main charactering yeah it's very casanova yeah after relocating to paris and severing ties with olsen in 1926 crowley entered into numerous relationships over the subsequent years engaging in sex magic with various partners and throughout this period he grappled with persistent health issues largely stemming from the heroin and cocaine In 1930, he traveled to Lisbon to meet with the poet Fernando Pessoa. During this visit, he made the unconventional decision to stage his own death. Okay. Enlisting Pessoa's assistance at the Boca do Inferno rock formation. So he tried to climb this mountain and he died. Following this elaborate act, he made his way back to Berlin and resurfaced three weeks later at the opening of his art exhibition at the Gallery Newman Nierendorf. Is that why he wanted to stage his own death so that like his art gallery would have yeah. more attention? Yeah. Okay. It's like, wouldn't it be funny? That's iconic. If they all thought I was dead That's and cool. they're like, my paintings are starting to sell That's and then dope. I show up and I'm like, ha, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> rips off mustache and then puts it back on when people don't recognize him like wait do you know me as this guy or this guy this one or this one? <laughs> in august 1931 he entered into a tumultuous relationship with bertha bush marked by violence as they frequently engaged in physical altercations concurrently he maintained affairs with individuals of both genders and social there are only two and socialized with notable figures such as Aldous Huxley and Alfred Adler. Facing financial challenges, he initiated a string of legal actions against individuals whom he perceived to have defamed him, achieving success in some and failing others. One notable lawsuit involved a book that he asserted had maligned him by labeling his occult pursuits as black magic, though he lost the case garnering substantial publicity. They were like, but this is dark magic. Remember how you said you use magic to conjure demons? Yeah. That's you know how you do magic to do bad things, <laughs> and then he's like, you know how that thing that you do is the thing I accused you of doing. He's like, actually, Your Honor, I think calling bad magic black magic it's a little racist. <laughs> uh, no, 
am I the terrible person or is everybody else racist <laughs> against me? Alistair White Crowley. <laughs> the legal battles compounded Crowley's monetary woes, culminating in his declaration of bankruptcy in February 1935. The proceedings unveiled that Crowley had been consistently spending three times his income for several years. <laughs> Same bestie. That's what credit cards are for. I know. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Losing the case meant subjecting himself to a symphony of public embarrassment. London seemed to have amnesia about his existence afterwards. Like people were just like, well, oh, who's she? I assume he overdosed in a fucking stairwell somewhere. So <laughs> no need to worry about Crowley anymore. This is literally like rumors were spread that he like they found him like overdosed in a boarding house. Oof. But in reality, Deirdre McLellan, a fervent admirer who had devoured all his works, appeared post-trial, expressing her wish to be with him and bear his child. The original Stan. That's so embarrassing. I know. I would never. I know. Well, such adoration and, frankly, Stan behavior might send other celebrities sprinting in the opposite direction. Crowley, in his fucking desperation, was like, oh, my God, I would love that. Someone I can use. Yeah. Like, oh, this is handy. (laughs) So McClellan became his detox ally, helping him kick the drug habit while weathering the storm of withdrawal together successfully. Oh, wow. I mean, good for her. Yeah. She was like, I'm not buying you heroin and you don't have any money. <laughs> and you need you happy and healthy for our beautiful for baby beautiful that's coming. Baby. So you sit in that bed and you sweat it out. <laughs> Once he was sober, they welcomed a son into the world, christening him Alistair Ataturk Crowley. Little Alistair became Crowley's fave, prompting a cascade of remorse for his lifetime of championing the gospel of unbridled selfishness. He was like, maybe the real truth the real happiness is the families we made along the way and all six his, of like, them embrace of family <laughs> <laughs> that we left destitute <laughs> maybe the real meaning of life is all the families you've left destitute <laughs> along the way dead destitute you know their house in cornwall witnessed summers filled with beachside bliss is how he spent most of the rest of his life With the outbreak of the Second World War, Crowley expressed his willingness to contribute by reaching out to the Naval Intelligence Division, but his services were declined. (laughs) They're like, yeah, we actually don't need crazy demon fuckers, but if we do, we'll we'll totally give you a call first. Like, would you like me to send some demons to the trenches? I think I could really help out. (laughs) They're like, no, the last one you sent was just like this smudge and everybody was like super confused on what we're supposed to do with it. All you need to do is supply me with the soldiers to fuck and I will take care of your whole German problem. (laughs) He interacted with various individuals in Britain's intelligence community during this period and asserted his connection to the creation of the V for victory sign, which obviously has never been substantiated. By 1940, his asthma aggravated and unable to access German manufactured medication He resorted to using heroin once more, falling back into addiction. Amidst the Blitz in London, Crowley relocated, experiencing a brief hospitalization for asthma and finding solace in visits to the local chess club. Eventually, he returned to London. In April 1944, Crowley made a move to Hastings in Sussex, setting up residence at the Netherwood Boarding House. As his secretary, he enlisted a young man named Kenneth Grant, compensating him with magical teachings instead of, you know, money (laughs) oh great i need those 
I need that. I'm going to sell you magical beans in exchange for your cow mm-hmm. vibes. Additionally, he crossed paths with John Simmons, whom he appointed as his literary executor. Simmons, however, held a low opinion of Crowley, eventually publishing unflattering biographies about him. So, like, he would be like, I fucking hate my boss, and, like, go into the bathroom and, like, scribble some (laughs) shit down, and then, like, put out a book about him, which, like, same. Of course. Yeah. Shooting off a few text messages to your bestie about how much you hate that that guy at work. Yeah. And then later on, being like, (laughs) you know what? I can copy and paste these into a Word doc. Yeah. This could be a book. Yeah. Someone would buy this. Ye old Amazon self publishing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, during his correspondence with the illusionist Arnold Crowther, Crowley was introduced to Gerald Gardner, the future founder of Gardnerian Wicca. Mm -hmm. A friendship ensued with Crowley granting Gardner the authority to revive the failing OTO in Britain. Captivated by the ascent of Nazism in Germany, Crowley, under the influence of his friend Martha Kunzel. This is really captivating. These little men marching around. <laughs> like, honestly, I cannot look away. In their Hugo Boss suits, I'm captivated. Yeah. He was like, okay, I know. I know this is crazy, but Hitler, I could fix him. <laughs> With the lemma. <laughs> However, when the Nazis dismantled the German OTO and incarcerated its leader, who subsequently sought refuge in the United States, Crowley sharply criticized Hitler, denouncing him as a black magician. He's game recognized game. <laughs> He's like, oh, you've been fucking all sorts of demons up in there. <laughs> Spider-Man meme. <laughs> of Hitler and Crowley. On December 1st, 1947, Deirdre McClellan claims that Aleister Crowley slipped into a coma and died because the gods had come to repossess his soul during the celestial drama of a storm, thunder roaring as he died. More likely, he was 72 years old, full of coke, heroin, and had chronic bronchitis and myocardial degeneration. (laughs) So, like, that might have had something to do with it too but i do like i do like the idea of demons coming to repossess a soul like you sold your soul to the devil but on like a payment plan and you defaulted on your loan payment yeah and so the the demon repo (laughs) repo men have to show up and be like all right sorry mr crowley we gotta take it back you should have drank your cat's blood bitch His final farewell took place at Brighton Crematorium, attended by a modest dozen or so people. Louis Wilkinson spiced up the proceedings by reading snippets from the Gnostic Mass, the Book of Law, and the showstopper, Hymn to Pan. The funeral, however, couldn't escape the clutches of controversy and earned itself the label of a black mass, courtesy of the tabloid. What a boring black mass. Imagine you go to a black mass and somebody reads a hymn. (laughs) I'm like, this is just regular mass. (laughs) In the years following his death, artists and musicians worldwide delved into the writings of Aleister Crowley, finding inspiration to chart their own paths. The hippies embracing a free love ethos drew from his teachings. John Lennon immortalized Crowley on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. His little tagline, Do What Thou Wilt, was inscribed on the vinyl of one of Led Zeppelin's albums. David Bowie made reference to Crowley in the lyrics of his song, Quicksand. So, like, his legacy? Rockers love him. Yeah, it's very metal, right? Like, yeah. But yeah, that's it. He's dead. He's dead and it's over and this is three hours. R.I.P. And now he's having sex, magic, sex in hell. I know. 
R.I.P. Alistair, you would have loved the Folsom Street Fair. (laughs) I'm Kaylin Conrad. You can find me on Twitter at Kaylin Conrad and on my main YouTube channel where I do video essays and drag hilariously bad movies. Um, And on my personal podcast, Bash Back, which is launching soon, but you can subscribe now. And who the fuck are you? And I'm Hoots. You can find me on Twitter at Punished Hoots. And you can find me on YouTube at Hoots YouTube. If you want to suggest someone else for us to cover, you can do that over on our Patreon. You can get access to our Suggestion Cemetery, where you can submit a name as well as a key to the morgue, where we debrief after every episode in our autopsy report minisodes. And if you're watching on YouTube, where we now have all of our full episodes going forward... You can hit the little like and subscribe, but very specifically the bell. So every Monday when an episode comes out, you get belled. It bells you.